Hey, what's up, folks? Welcome to another week. This is Live Life Connection Show. This is Mike doing our thing. Another week, man. Another great guest. Man, switching things up a little bit. You know, we've been talking fitness yeah. the last couple of weeks. And now, you know, we're getting to another realm that, you know, both of us are interested in. Um, you know, you enjoy good music. You know, I, I came from that industry before I came to fitness. And so it's always right. great to have someone from that industry, man, just kind of go back and look at the parallels that went on there that have carried over with me into the fitness business and now over into the self-defense business. But um, pretty much the thing is, when you get down to it, when you get down to the foundation of things, you can carry those over to wherever you go, as long as you get down to the very right. basic. And a lot of the basics is not fancy. It's not very industry-specific. It's just busting your ass, man, to do things that you love, and that's what it comes down to, no matter what industry that, that is. So, And our guest today, right. man, there's no exception. So we're definitely going to talk about that before we take, you know, yeah. after we take care of some housekeeping stuff, though. Be great. Yeah, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk to Jamie of Code Orange in a minute, and one thing we'll talk about with him is I love seeing people become really successful. And what I mean by that is I've followed the band for a while, so I've seen the footage online of them playing in someone's garage, fifty people right. playing in these small venues. And then last year I saw footage of them playing in front of thousands of people, tens of thousands of people at this event. I love seeing stuff like that. I love seeing people grind and become successful. Anyway, we'll talk more to him in a second. Real quick, folks, remember you can support the show by using coupon code LLA to get 10% off the best nutrition supplements money can buy over at MikeMahler.com. And you can also support the show by giving us reviews on iTunes, on Stitcher, and don't forget about Patreon. Exactly. In fact, right now, you know, by the time you guys hear this show, some of you guys already saw a 24-hour clip of this actual behind-the-scenes talk that we're having with Jamie. So I just did like a lens. It's something new they do on Patreon, and it's just for our Patreon, our patrons okay. only. Okay. So basically, it's kind of like Instagram stories, but it's basically for Patreon. So you can record audio or video right then and there, and it's up for like 24 hours. So it's kind of like Snapchat and Instagram stories. So, you know, just that little clip, you know, just kind of us talking, man, and just behind the scenes. You know, that's for our Patreon listeners out there. That's the type of things that you guys will get. Cool. And like I said, it's only, that was only up for like 24 hours, but you kind of get some insight, man. We're just talking about grinding and busting your ass and taking this stuff seriously and, you know, and not having that side job thinking that, oh, okay, well, I can do this professionally forever, you know, and you don't have any sense of urgency. But if you watch the clip, you got that. But we'll still talk about it, during, you know, during this episode as well. So, yeah, that's just stuff you get when you join us on Patreon. And we'll, there'll be more stuff like that as well as the little mini audio episodes that Mike and I have been releasing as well. So I know you guys are truly getting some great feedback on that. So we're going to keep those coming and a whole lot of other bonuses that are just for Patreon supporters. So if you're not a Patreon supporter, get off your ass and make it happen, man. You know, start at the $5 level. You can make it happen. And they're ad-free. So, I mean, we don't have to sell you on that. You know where the value is. So hop over there and make it happen. Patreon.com slash LLA podcast. All right. All right, man. Let's get to our guests. It's going to be awesome. Let's do it. Jamie, welcome. Good to have you on board. What's up, man? Thank you for having me. It's good, man. It's good having yeah, you on. That is that reverberation? I think there's still a reverberation on your end, Sincere. Is me? Really? I'm, I'm still sounding like Max Hedrum? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I think, it's, I think it's fixed now. Well, cool, okay, man. Cool. Well, first thing I wanted to talk to you, Jamie, about is you guys were nominated for a Grammy. Yes. How much have a positive impact, if any, has that had on, on your band? I think it's been really positive. I feel like uh, for us, there was a sense of disappointment just because we're really like, 
I think we're very competitive in a lot of ways and very goal-driven. So once oh, that yeah. was that apple was kind of dangled <laughs> in front of us, we wanted it bad. And we <laughs> felt walking into that thing 100%, like maybe stupidly, but just like in our hearts, like we're winning this shit. And we were, re- we were just ready right. to go and make – and what, what I think we really wanted out of it was to be able to really – make something out of that moment and, and especially with a speech right. and, and really make something out of it more than just thank yeah. yous and yeah. all that kind of thing that everyone does <laughs> that kind of it disappears the next day. So I think we were going to really bring it, but in that, on that level, we're disappointed, but it's been amazing. I think it's definitely upped us to a new level, but with a band like the kind of band we are, a band that I feel like is, you know, obviously has a lot of influences from things that have existed, but are are trying at the very least to put something, a new concoction out there. It's not like an overnight light switch type of thing. And it's, I don't think it's ever going to be an overnight light switch type of thing. I think we're just going to have to keep building and keep, you know, achieving these goals that maybe people don't necessarily think we can. So it's good, man. It's, it's, it's been cool. And, it was it was validating in a certain kind of way, but I think we're just ready to go again. So I want to just get back there, get back wherever you know. Do you see that as a way yeah. of just uh, yeah. by being Grammy nominated as being a, a now a bargaining chip? So I know you guys are with uh, I believe Roadrunner now as far as labels. Yes. Do you think that's still a good bargaining chip when you go into a label man and just tell them like, look, man, this is what we need. You know, when we first came, you, you gave us this much, but now we've elevated here. We've been recognized by our peers and. You know, we're Grammy nominated as well, man. So this we need a few more things to make some things happen and really get out there in front of our audience and really give them, you know, just to elevate their experience. Do you feel like that, that, having that Grammy nomination now is a part of it do that? Yeah, I think in some ways it is, but I think we're we're honestly in a rare situation where, the, especially Roadrunner, I think Roadrunner at first really saw us a lot past what we actually were on paper and they put the means into this like we were a much bigger band than we are because they have and you know i went and met with them and i really wanted to meet with i mean we met with them for a very long time for for years to, to 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 figure this out and we i wanted to meet with every single you know every department we literally had you know we went there all day and met with every department and i kind of gave them my same spiel and wanted to get everybody on board and i really got a sense and it's why we signed there you know, one, they put down, you know, uh, uh, you know, resources that we needed. But two, more importantly, they really believe what I believe, which is that this is going to be a really important band. And that's, I believe that fully with, with everything. And it's not something that's going to be a flash in the pan. And I do believe it's going to be right. whatever the next thing is. So they put that down. So in, in our situation, in terms of like label and, and our management stuff, we're in a good situation. And I think honestly, we're, we need to, we need to achieve more to them. You know, we need to meet that, meet that effort they're right. putting in as opposed to, but with right. other situations, whether it comes to shows and, and stuff like that, I think definitely it is. I think it definitely will be in the future, but I want that the Grammy award winning bargaining chip, not denominated because <laughs> I want right. the winning one. So we'll see next year, year after that. We're gonna get that winning one, and it's gonna be different. Yeah, I'm gonna say. Well, I think Roadrunner has a Roadrunner has a history. Yeah, I was about to say that. 
I was about to say, you know, you're in a good situation. No, I was about to say, you're in a, I think you're about to go the same, you can go in the same direction with the discussion as well, Mike. But you guys are in a good situation being a roadrunner because, I mean, they've got some very top artists. And even when I was in the industry, I had a friend that actually left Profile Records, which was predominantly a hip hop label, and he ended up going to Roadrunner. This was like in the mid 90s. Pretty much, I think, when Roadrunner was just really sinking their teeth in everything. And, like yeah. I said, man, they have a great track record. I mean, from Stone Sour to Slipknot. Force for yeah. Taylor, you know, kill switch, kill switch, engage. So you know, yeah. some good guys on the label with you, and they've really gone above and beyond to really put those guys out there, man. And when when people were just discovering them back in the day, so I think you guys are in a really right. good situation. So and I and I saw that you guys did switch labels. Now you know what what prompted that from going from uh, Deathwish Road. Well, we were on like a much smaller label, and you know we had we had I think we had to just run its course and with what we wanted to do and what we were all, all both able to do together. So yeah. we had a lot of people hitting us up, and we wouldn't have made a move if it wasn't the right move. We were not looking to just make a move for no reason. Uh, you know, it had to be the right move, and this was this turned out to very much be the right move in many many ways. So you know, in the legacy of Roadrunner, there's a lot of bands on Roadrunner we love, but more than that, we needed someone who, like I said, said to me and put it down on the paper that this is our band, like this is this is our number one priority as a young band. Like we didn't want to be just another band, you know? So I really talked to them and I think I really made them believe that and uh, I think we all did. Me and Joe went up there and, and had those and were kind of the voices for the band, but I think we all made them you know, believe that, and that was what was important to us, is that we were the priority, and uh, we were going to be a big priority, and they were really going to sink their teeth into all their resources, and, and we, we would deliver so with, with good records and, and, and the best show that we possibly could, because that's really all you can do besides you can promote yourself, deliver great records, and play as many shows as you can, as well as you can nowadays, and that's about it, so right. that's what we did, so that, I feel like that's the right move. Well, you want a label that buys into you, and that, that's what Sincere so eloquently brought up is the fact that Roadrunner has a really good history. I mean, they, they put Biohazard on the map, Madball. So they have a history of working with some pretty legacy hardcore bands or bands that came yeah. from the hardcore industry. And I think what you want is a label to buy into you rather than a label that sees potential but wants to take you in a, into a direction that you don't want to 100%. Then you have, I was clear, yeah, then you have I, these I was clear missteps. I say about that. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, 100%. You know, you have these missteps such as no warning, no warnings. They had that one misstep where I forget which label yeah. they were with, but they were influenced by yeah. Linkin Park quite a bit, which is okay. Linkin Park is fine, but they lost their core audience as a result yeah. of trying to go in this direction. And now they've come back and they're making music that's really good, but people don't forget that. Chromax, same thing. You know, I grew up with the Chromax, and we all know Age of Quarrels, legendary. Best Wishes was great, but it was a total departure from the first record. Yeah. But people could, people could accept it, but then Alpha Omega came out, and, and Harley will admit this is during a period where he was doing a lot of mushrooms and, you know, and, yeah. and LSD. And yeah. These guys are all high at the studio going, man, a piano intro sounds great on this song. And for another band, it might, but for the Chromax, you know, yeah. it just didn't Dude, that stuff that that was literally specifically stuff that we all – really analyzed and had been analyzing for a long time and thought about those examples and other examples. And we thought, okay, so this is how people have done this in the past. It's like one, there's multiple layers to it. One of the layers to it is 
we set ourselves up very early musically in many directions on on records so that we could kind of go and point when people would say, oh, they're doing this now, and I could go, you know what, go listen to the last record. It's on that. It's it's an embryonic version, but the same stuff is there, the same weird songs, whether it's melodic or, you know, more this leaning or that leaning. I'm setting up different avenues that we can go so that people can't really say, and they really can, that, they went, oh, they went this way. We really didn't because we were already doing it. We just right. weren't doing it nearly as well. Right. You might not have noticed it, but now you're right. caught, so you got to go. You know what I mean? So that's one aspect of it. And the other aspect is learning and seeing what some of those bands did. And a lot, I'm sure, and it's easy to say, to, to kind of point in the outside and say, oh, they did this, they did that. I don't know exactly what they did, but I can look at how it turned out and I can go, okay. What did these bands do in this same situation? Maybe that wasn't the right move. And what can we do that is different? And and we can't. You're not going to hang on to everyone. And and there's no way to hang on to everyone when you're coming from a hardcore background. Obviously, you seem to kind of be pretty well versed in that, so you kind of understand what I mean. But oh, yeah. it's hard to. No doubt. But so we're not interested in hanging on to everyone. We don't care. I just know that when I put the record sure. on my headphones, I have to know. This was the one we were going to make on Death Wish, if we had the resources. This was the one we were going to do either way. We're not shooting for something that's not creative. We're only shooting for creative goals, not for um, goals of success artistically. Never artistically do we do do that. In terms of like what we do with the band and other ways, that obviously gets thought of, but artistically it's all about me putting it on and thinking wow and i trust myself that if i put it on and it's not right and i told roadrunner this actually the day that we met it was like if it's not right we'll do we're doing it again and or we just won't come out or and we'll fight tooth and nail about it and they were so good and cool about all that stuff they let us take forever mixing it ironically the name of the record but they let us take a really long time (laughs) mixing it they let us do a million things to it over and over and over and they let us work so they just let us do our thing, and I really appreciate them for that thus far. Yeah, yeah, you can hear yeah, it. They got out of your way. Yeah, that's rare. I think rare. they realized the mistakes they had made probably, too, with other bands, in that whole, yeah. in, especially in that era that you're talking about in the early two, in right. the 2000s with No Warning and you know, yeah. Madball, too, and, and, and all those men who were probably you know being pushed to do certain things, and it just maybe didn't work so we just i think they they heard what we could do in terms of melody on the other records and they were like i think they're going to do it anyway what we want them to do and we did so i think it's working out good for them you know you just have to have such a clear idea of what you're trying to do and stay put because there's always going to be these voices and some of them are well-meaning right some i always say i have a saying some of the best advice i've ever gotten is from some of the worst people i've ever met and they True. didn't give me the advice to help me in any way. It just happened to be good advice. So your sure. your instincts are not to follow it because you don't like the person, but you have to accept the fact that, you know what, that's actually pretty good advice, even though this guy's a jack-off. And then I've yeah. had people that are very well-meaning. They're very good people. I know their intentions are good, but the advice is terrible. I have people yeah. that would try to get me to go into a more main – I've taken that hardcore mentality to the fitness industry. That's one thing I've always done. So I brought that kind of energy into it. So I cater to a certain audience that wants very intense information. Now, I've had people throughout my career say, you got to water this down. You got to cater to this person. Let's get let's, let's, let's the funniest one is let's get you gigs on these cruise ships. They're teaching kettlebell classes. Old oh, God. I was like, buddy, 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 man. This is Fuck look that. at my 
Yeah, just, I mean, that's okay if that's something you genuinely want to do, but it's not something I genuinely want to do. My philosophy has always been, this is the way I like to train. And I bet there's other people out there who want to, who like that as well. So let me provide information for that demographic. And then there's going to be people who never realized they like that until someone came along and they're like, hey, I like what he's saying. Let me try that out. So it was always, I want to get people to buy into what I'm doing, not try to sell my soul to cater to the masses in stuff I don't care about at all. I think that's when a band goes down the drain is when they start getting bad advice such as, okay, if you guys want to make more money, you're going to have to start doing this. And whatever comes yeah. after that is always going to be detrimental. Yeah, I agree. Flip- and, I, and, and there has to be a level of self-belief. Like I really believe, and I could at the end of the, the story in the day, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I've told this to every single person we've ever worked with. I believe that even in the incarnation, which we're doing it, which will continue to grow, and, and that's just who we are. It's going to get, you know, diff- different. But I believe there is a much, much bigger audience for what we're doing when I go and see these other bands that aren't, aren't pushing it at all but are still very unaccessible but have these big fan groups. It's like I believe right. there's a much bigger audience for what we're doing than I think some – people on the surface would believe that there is. And I believe it's in the way that we're doing it and then that it doesn't have to be done in some dramatically different way for that to happen. That's just going to take time and great records and a great show and, you know, the right people involved. And and that's why with our management and our label, we wouldn't have those people on board if they didn't fully believe that. And I didn't believe them because I would just feel I need people behind us that believe that exact thing. And those people said that to me before I could say it to them. You know what I mean? And that's a good, that's a good sign. It's like, I feel that's, you got to believe in yourself in that way that you can't, that your stuff can get, get, if that your stuff, if there is an audience for your stuff, you know what I mean? So that's what I think. Yeah. On the flip side of that, you know, being focused on what you truly want and what, you know, what do you want to project and what do you want, what kind of product you want to give. But also on the flip side of that is also to not be too hard headed and so focused that you're not open to, to adapting to changes because now, especially with technology and just everything being so social, you know, the thing is it's, it's very hard to keep up a lot of times. So there are a lot of bands who pretty much have wiped themselves out of existence just because they refused to change. They were still locked onto, oh, well, back in the day it was like this. Well, when we started, it was like this, and they didn't yeah. adapt to change. So it's, it's, it's this constant balancing yeah. act that you have to keep doing because you can either try to right. adhere to all the new things that are out and like, oh, I want to do that, I want to do that, I want to do that, which killed a lot of rap groups in the 90s because everybody at the end of the UA, you saw a lot of these dudes trying to be like, even MC Hammer trying to be like, a gangster. <laughs> you know, I'm like, no, dude, you just, you just came out with You're right. geez, oh, genie pants and you can't touch this to Rick James. <laughs> now all of a sudden, yeah. you're wearing like, yeah. a leather vest with no shirt and combat boots and you buy a Jeep yeah. now. And you, the pump, and you did pumps to the bump and a Speedo on the same album. I'm so confused. What are you doing, Hammer? You know, and then at the same time, you have yeah. those who just, who don't adapt at all. Like a lot of these 80s hair bands, you know, rock bands, whatever, they wouldn't change. Like, dude. Oh, yeah. And grunge came along and just slaughtered them, you know, for the most part. So, yeah. And that's what I right. see. I see the exact thing you're saying in, in a lot of the stuff that's going on now, whether it's in big metal or in that kind of warped tour world or whatever. I see right. I, that change. I see, I, I know it's not 100% here yet, but I see, uh, for lack of a better word, you put it best, us coming along and slaughtering that. 
So I think those bands yeah. see it too. Yeah. And that's why I think yeah. we get, we, we stir up a little bit of that in people, but I feel like that's the opening that I see is what you're explaining. And, and speaking of like hip hop and rap, I mean, I learn a lot from, especially now from, and I can continue to try to learn from the way that that world operates. And I'm a fan of a lot of the music, but aside from that, on a production level, on a modern level, why does this connect with people in a way that mm. guitar music isn't connecting with people? And a lot of that is why we started incorporating electronics into our music in, in a way that, you know, in a, in a hopefully different way, especially going forward in the future with some of the stuff we're doing now. And because right. I hear this, I see this hole and this, disconnect between these two worlds but then i look at these rap guys and they're all dressed like like they're influenced by this kind of stuff they all look like us honestly. right they're like a right. more right freaking a little bit more like of an intense version of uh us i mean when we were at the grammys we had rappers i don't want to like put put i mean there was one big one and a couple like come up to Eric or guitarist and they're like, Oh, I love your hair. I love this. I love that. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, there's a connection here to these worlds. That's not just social. No I feel like it's also musical. And I think we're gonna, and it doesn't have to do with putting rapping and heavy music. It has zero to do with that. Cause it's been done and it's right, really right. lame. It's more <laughs> a modern, in a modern way. And in, in terms of production, in terms of like depth, you know what I mean? So, I want the mentality. To There's a mentality that. Well, I mean, yeah, exactly. The mentality that's always been that connection between the the world of rock and and hip hop because they've all become they were all bastard children of some type of soul music, some type of yeah. something that Agreed. came from the beat, from the drum, from the African drums, but. The also thing, there's also that social political aspect of both genres of music because both, when you get down to the core of both genres, they both are like fuck the system when it comes down to 100%. whether it's hip hop. We know we're, even when it's just it's coming from the street, you know, it's coming from the garage, which is right by the street, you know. So they, they, there's this connection. Yeah. So while the kids are in the garage, you know, you know, just banging it out or whatever, you know, especially then you have, like, like, like hardcore and hardcore yeah. and punk, and because I see, I, we play these festivals and we see a lot of these big bands and the way they operate and it's no discord right. them. And there's multiple of them who are awesome dudes and they, and they, they do great job of what they're doing. But it's like, I just see something that if I was a fucking kid that was 15, which wasn't that long. I mean, we're 23 and 24, but if I was a teenager, I wouldn't connect with this because we're in a different fucking world. And these people don't get right. that we're in a different world. And there's nothing that comes from our world that is modern and feels influenced obviously by the past, but is modern and fresh and all this stuff, even at the very tip top of the bill, it isn't fresh. A lot of it's great and was great and and truly still is great, but it's the same stuff and it's not right. going to connect with this new kid. Who's this hybrid punk, whatever kid that needs to be connected with. And I think that bands like ours and there's other ones too, can fill that void and i think it's just going to be a different kind of path and i'm kind of trying to figure out and I, and we have some ideas on how to bridge some of that gap so i feel like that's an important really important thing i completely agree with you well i think you need the youth to connect to the youth right and that's what that you guys are emblematic of that but also 
Let's talk about the hardcore scene a little bit because I think your the lane you guys have created is your own lane. I mean, you can try to categorize your music as, oh, it's a mix of hardcore with Nine Inch Nails and Sonic Youth, but that, that doesn't really get to the core of it. You guys have created yep. your own lane. Now, you come from the hardcore world, yeah, and you have the hardcore mentality. And the positives of the hardcore world is there's a lot of support there, but some of the negatives are is a lot of people don't want to see their bands move beyond this small level, right? They want to they want yeah. to see you as the base. Underground. That's they my do. band. I don't. Yeah, that's my band. I don't want to see them at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. I want to see yeah. them at the local Foundry Hall. WB yeah. Hall, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, BFW. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. WF Hall, whatever, whatever these halls. You play in all kinds of different places. But oh, yeah. Webster Hall, that kind a of thing. A lot of those. <laughs> yeah. So there's this mentality of, oh, I want these guys to make it, but I don't, want, I don't want them to make it too much. And I think that's why a lot of hardcore bands just regurgitate the same music. This is where I'm going. So on one hand, they're catering to the 50 fans they have. But yeah. that's not enough to sustain a career here. That's why you have to keep your regular job. So on one hand, your your 50 fans are like, yeah, this is my band. They've never sold out. But now these guys are in their 40s and they're living in a trailer. You know, they never made it. Yeah, and I think a lot of it, beyond that. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that there's another aspect of that, which maybe people who aren't even, you know, in the so in the real deep core of the scene, the way that we've had to be doing this don't know which is that a lot of these bands and i'm not even i can only speak for like my generation of bands and you know a little bit before that a lot of these bands have always been cool and they've always been cool in the hardcore scene and when you're cool in the hardcore scene it's a it's a good feeling and people go nuts and it it feels because you get this people are doing this crazy stuff. They're, your friends are doing this crazy acrobatic crap and making everything look awesome. And and that's cool. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I do think whether anybody would admit it or not, there's a level of fear there of losing that. And I get that. But the thing is, we started without it. When we came in the hardcore scene, we weren't cool at all. We literally were laughed at. We would play it when we were opening for freaking terror and all those bands at first. We were laughed out of the fucking rooms half the time. And we've then we put another record out and we became cool. And then we've gone uncool. And I mean, we don't give a fuck. That, that's the thing that, that is, a, is the true difference. It's like a lot of those people aren't my friends. There's a lot of people in these bands that I do love. My friends are in Pittsburgh. Three of them live in my own house. And we're in this band. So at the end of the day, we were uncool. We were cool, uncool, cool, uncool. We don't give a fuck. It doesn't really matter. So it's. I think so that's that the most important thing. That philosophy yeah, right there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's the most important thing. That's that's where I was trying to go to. Is you, you summed it up way better than I was trying to get to. Is that mentality? Because who cares about the opinion of people who you don't even know who don't really care about you? They're not paying right. your bills. You know, they're not. They're not, they're not coming over to your house on Christmas or Thanksgiving. You know, these aren't people that are, are in your inner circle in any way. So it doesn't matter. So I think too much too much energy is wasted trying to please people that you don't know, you're never going to meet, you're never going to be friends with, and that's a big waste of energy. Just worrying about the opinions. I think what you guys do is you follow your interests, which is advice I always give. Sincere and I talk about them the show all the time. They go follow your interests, and you can hear that in the music you guys put together. You can hear the hardcore elements. You can hear the 
ministry slash Nine Inch Nails type influence. Definitely. You can hear that Sonic Youth influence, but it sounds like you. It doesn't sound like them. You guys sound like you, and that's really that's important. That's the goal. So you have to and that's the goal. I really appreciate yeah, that because that's, that's, that's always the fear is letting your, you know, your influences take over. And I think as we go on, especially, I hope that people will really see that these are code orange records. They're really not anything else. They have a lot of influence all from everything you just mentioned and way more, 100%. Right. But no doubt. I want people to be influenced by our band. I don't want to be somebody else. And I think a lot of people want to be something that already happened, and that's all they want more than anything. And there's a lot of things I love that already happened that I want to incorporate. But if the goal isn't to be something new, then what is like, other than just having fun and releasing your anger and whatever, which I totally get, what is like the point to existing on this planet even? I don't, I just don't see like a purpose of living if you're not trying to do that. That's uh, and no I don't see that in a lot of bands or hear that in a lot of bands, and some I do. Yeah. I think there's a lot of great ones out there, but they want to be a lot of band people just want to be something else. So I don't know. I feel like it's kind of. Well, I think there's more good music bit. coming out. Yeah, there's more good music yeah. coming out now than ever. The Turnstile is a great band. They're on your label. Oh, yeah. some, I recently I went through a period where I wasn't listening to any hardcore for a while. I was just busy living my life, running my business, and then I just started getting back into it when I had some more free time. And I just started discovering all these bands like Trapped Under Ice and you guys. And I was oh, like, yeah. wow, this, this genre has really grown well. These bands sound oh, yeah. great. And I got back into it recently in the last couple of years. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of great ones, man. And all those people you just mentioned, and there's more, are creative people. And they're talented. And they, you know, they have the right mindset. And I feel like, yeah, it, it's, there's a lot of great things about it bad things about it but at the end of the day we focus on yeah. code orange because i love being a part of the hardcore scene i will support the hardcore scene and represent the hardcore scene till the day i die but i want i don't want to bring him remembered as part of anything i want to be remembered as code <laughs> orange the first code orange the last right. code orange so that's right. the goal well that's the most important thing like Metallica, people come out for Metallica for Metallica not because they're thrash metal legends or anything like that they've they've gone beyond any genre. And I'm, I'm not a fan of any of their music past Master of Puppets, but that's another segue. <laughs> but the point yeah. is, they've grown to a point where they, they are their, they're in their own lane. You know, they're doing their own yeah. thing. 100%. They're the, I mean, they're the best example. There's other examples. I mean, and I think it's a harder, uh, it's a much harder time now to get big in metal than, it, than it's oh, ever yeah. been. And there's no, no doubt. Uh, there really is no bands that are big in metal that have gotten big in the past 10 years. That are really big. Yeah. It doesn't exist, really. Yeah. So it's sad to me, and you know, I hope that that changes, but it's it's not easy. Yeah. No, you're absolutely correct. That the amount of new bands, I can't think of one in the last None. ten years that would play like, let's say, a T-Mobile Arena or do arena tours. None. Exactly. None. Five Finger not Death Punch, Slipknot, but those those guys have been around for a while. Yeah. So it's tough. Did you I think say that, Five Finger Death Punch? I think yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, they've is. been there's around for more than ten years. Yeah, yeah they've been. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what I'm saying. There's there's a hole now, and I think there's an opportunity for bands like you guys and Turnstile. I think Turnstile, their new record's great as well, and I, they remind me of Faith No More in a lot of ways. You know, so I yeah. think I think I think you both are at the beginning of becoming those bands potentially for sure that can fill that gap. And well, there's that, no reason to rush shoes, it. But, you got, yeah, you yeah you're right. Young. Yeah, you guys are young. We're just getting going. 
this, this, it doesn't need to happen tomorrow or next week or next year even. As long as you're enjoying the process and you're putting out music you want to do, yeah, that opportunity no, I, I for that level, of, I think, is there. Yeah. You know, I, I, be- I believe that in some kind of way, and I don't really – I try not to measure it by, like, how many people are going to get into it because I don't even – we live in such a weird society now that it's like I don't even know how that works. I don't know how that's even possible. I don't really care if yeah. it does happen. We're all there for it. If we never get an inch bigger than we get now, I, I mean, when the record, if the record, if we do another record and it's once it starts to go sour and we start going on the slide, I don't think that we will uh, do it that much longer. And that's not because of adversity. We've all, you know, we've had, right. we've done, I mean, thirty something, forty something U.S. tours. You know, I mean, ten of which I fucking booked myself and played in people's houses. So it's not that it would be hard. (laughs) It's that I don't want to do something that doesn't feel like this. We've always felt this upward momentum, even if it was inch by inch. And I don't want to give that up. And I, that's why we work every day. And that's why I really think it's amazing. Like people like you and you guys. And that's why, you know, I started talking to you on Twitter and stuff. It's like, I've learned a lot from people who, do that with their bodies and with their minds and their health, because that is as that's the heart, like the hardest, one of the hardest things you can do, honestly. And I feel like it takes oh, yeah. so much discipline. And I think that those are a, a lot of the people I've met, you know, we started doing me and uh, our bass player Joe and our guitar player Shade started doing jujitsu like three years ago. And that kind of mm-hmm, cool. led us to the first, physical activity that we'd really had. I mean, we'd been in this band and doing the shows, but it's not the fucking same, you know? And I think me and Joe got really like addicted to it. And I think that's because it's that same process of learning and working and getting better and discipline and seeing results and just improving yourself. You know what I mean? I think that's really important. And a lot of people don't. There's a hardcore mentality there. I mean, Billy from Biohazards, a black belt in jujitsu. Harley from Chromex is a black belt. He teaches at Henzo Gracie Academy. So there's, you see that crossover between these different worlds. And they're also into the kind of training that Sincere and I put out there. So there's, there's crossovers among all these things. It's a it's a hardcore mentality, I think, that is the connecting line between all these different worlds. That's what gets me into like you guys. That's what gets you into jujitsu. That's what gets people into the hard training. It's a, it's a hardcore mentality on life, on taking charge of your life. That's what I always got from hardcore. It's like you just said, you booked all the shows yourself. Well, that's the mentality that I took when I got into my business. I go, I spent ten years traveling the world teaching seminars, and I booked all of those, not one of those was booked by That's someone else. Awesome. And yeah. not only did I make more as a result of doing that, because I took charge of every facet of it so I could maximize profit on each one. But if I didn't do that, no one would have done this for me. No one would have flown me out to South Africa or Dubai or nope. Australia or any of these places, you know, without me spearheading that at the very least. Exactly. exactly. And the benefit no, you doing it yourself, now he knows, you know, as the band grows, now he knows what to look for with tour managers and people that are booking tours because he's done it right. himself. So now it's a lot harder for people to get over on him. Like so many musicians, you know, they get screwed by a lot of these record companies, different branches of the record labels, because they already know that there's a lot of stuff that bands don't know, especially bands that go right and get signed with someone and never do anything for themselves. You know, there's some, there's some groups that are late. You know, they don't want to do anything yeah. except, you know, just show up, like, book right. me a show, and I want to get paid. And But then they realize, 
they want to have they end up on you know behind the music, you know, and like you know, where, how do you, that? you know, or they're on unsung, or on the nothing, or they they wonder why they're fucking at exactly. whatever. They're not on behind the music even. They're just fucking at their house. Yeah, yeah. They're not big enough to be on that exactly. <laughs> you actually have to have a certain level of success to be on there. You actually have to have a one-hit wonder. You have to <laughs> succeed, and you have to succeed and then fail. So the succeeding exactly. part, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you can't just fail and be on this. No one cares about a band that just failed, right? Yeah. You have to succeed I know a lot and of fail. Then we want to do it all. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. You know, it's funny though, Jamie. Is I see. As you guys become more successful, I can see a lot of superficial inspiration. And what I mean by that is people are going to look at the band and be like, okay, huh, why are these guys successful? Oh, I know. They got a girl in the band playing guitar. The singer, yeah. the singer is the drummer. The singer is the drummer. Yeah. That's different. So we need to get a drummer that can sing, and we need to get a chick in the band, and then we'll duplicate their success. Right? These, are, these are the dumb ways a lot of people think. <laughs> They're fucking losers. It's the same people that grab the kettlebell and just fucking throw it around their head. And think that it's doing it, <laughs> or they're squatting. Right, right. And they're squatting down one inch. You know what I mean? And then they're back up with with the yeah. giant place. It's like yeah. I can't. It's like when we're fucking learn doing. It's like they didn't want to go through the painful process that you know. We're me and Joe. We just, got done lifting. Go through where it's like you aren't lifting a lot of weight and you can't. You have to do it over and over and over. And we have to do it every. Right. We have to do it fucking four times a week. And it sucks, and sometimes it's humiliating, but you can't just – if I, I could put fucking four fucking plates on each side and do a squat an inch. You know what I mean? It, I could, and everyone would think it was cool, yeah. but it's not like it's going to improve me, so – I yeah. feel like it's there's no benefit. You're just you're just you're just deluding yourself, right? Yeah, it's a hundred percent. And we see that that's a funny example because it's a very common example, and we see that all the oh, time. But the one oh, thing about physical training is you learn how to deal with discomfort and pain, and that can carry yeah. over into anything you want to do, whether it's building a band, whether it's building a business. I mean, one of the things that got me into physical training is I was inspired by John and Harley and the Chromex. I would see them live, and I'm like, wow, these guys are jacked. And then Danzig at the time, you know, he was really jacked, and Doyle, I was like, yeah. wow, I want to look like those guys. Yeah. And what's cool is that it's, as I became successful as a trainer, it came full circle where I started, these guys started coming to me for advice, John and Harley, et cetera. It was this, yeah. Wow. This, this, this mentality of dealing with adversity, I think that's the most important lesson. And all those years you've, and still, but all those early years you spent grinding, you're getting booed at. Because let's be honest, a lot of bands, the first time they get booed at, they're like, fuck this shit. That's a wrap. 100%, I'm going to I'm gonna go back to Subway and make sandwiches. You know? <laughs> because getting booed at is not Dude, it feels similar to me. Like the closest thing I've ever found to it was, you know, when we competed in our first jiu-jitsu tournament and got smashed. Okay. It's like you get yeah, smashed yeah. And, yeah. You ha and your friends are there. And you're fucking trying, but your adrenaline, your adrenaline dumps, and you're not ready for the fucking situation. And you get smashed, and right. you either fucking take it on the chin and get better, or you know, like for me, for instance, like with jujitsu, it's there's there's two big things. The reason, one of the reasons I do jujitsu is because of what you said. It's taught me how to one be quiet and listen and learn from other people that know so much fucking more than I know that I don't have anything to say. There's no debate. 
There's no uh, music is very opinion based. It's subjective. Right. Physical activity and right. jujitsu and martial arts are not subjective. It's you're good and you're doing the right techniques and you're doing right or you're wrong and you fucking lose and someone crushes your face and breaks right. your arm. You know what I mean? So I feel like having a a good experience for me was to have a fucking 300 pound guy on top of me with the gi on with the gi on my face <laughs> and you can't there's nothing you can do about it until you learn how to do something about it you know what i mean and right it, i right. feel like that's really important for that was really important for our growth and for just it's been a really great learning experience and a humbling learning learning experience and i feel like you know, I when I think about competing in jiu-jitsu, I get so much more nervous than thinking about playing, like, an arena opening for some band or something. I would rather play an arena mm. fucking 30 times in a row opening for, for a band than do one <laughs> fucking lo- local jiu-jitsu tournament. Because and you have to do that. you got to push yourself and just feel that fear and feel that that feeling, that adrenaline dump, and get through it. You know, I feel it's really important. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to put yourself in those those uncomfortable situations because comfort is is one of the biggest impediments to success. Ironically, is that when you're uncomfortable, you're you're willing to you put in that grind every day because you're uncomfortable. Bills are coming in, you got to make things happen, and then you get a certain level of success. You can become comfortable now, but if you don't find new avenues to put yourself in uncomfortable situations, it's going to have a real deleterious effect on. Not just your attitude about life, but your business as well. You're going to lose that yeah. sharpness. And that's when oh, other yeah. people come in and just take over. Huh? Oh, you still there? I think I'm losing you guys. You guys there? Um, I'm here. I'm here. Sorry, I hear you now. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't hear the very end of what you said, but I, I, the, I didn't hear the, the end of the sentence. Can you say it again? Well, I was just saying that with. I was just saying that when when you get comfortable, that's when you start going into a declined phase. That's when other people come in and take over. So whenever you get comfortable in life, it's your your growth potential goes down the drain. I mean, there's there's a movie, one of my favorite movies growing up predates, this movie probably came out before you were born, is Young Guns, right? With Emilio Estevez, this is Western. And there's a scene mm-hmm. in the movie where Keeper Sutherland's character is like, look, man, look, Billy the Kid, you like, you like all these people running after you with guns and you know, you probably get an erection while this is happening, you know, but me, like, I'm shitting my pants. I just want to, like, I just want to get to Mexico and then I'm going to be, I'm going to live my life. And then Billy the Kid's like, man, that, that's the, it's like, what you don't realize is that's the hardest path ever that we could take. All these people are going to be coming after us. These people are going to be trying to kill us. He's like, that sounds like a great idea. I'm in. <laughs> you know? and yeah. It's just that mentality of like, he, he, the very line he said in the movie is, once you get comfortable, I'm just paraphrasing here, but once you get comfortable, that's when they put you out to die, basically. That's when they put you out to pasture. Because you're not yeah. sharp anymore. You lose that edge. Once you lose your edge, basically, is where I'm going with this. That's when it's 100%. When you, when you see a band that's just going through the motions, right? We've, I'm sure you've seen a million bands like this, but me as a guy going to concerts, I've been to concerts where bands are just phoning in the performance. They're just going through the motions. They're making these stupid jokes in between songs. They're doing these certain moves that they think are rock star type moves while they're up on stage. But you can look in their face. You can see it in their eyes. They don't want to be there. They're not enjoying it. and They don't want to be there. And sure enough, those bands, that's just the beginning of them being quickly forgotten. It's a matter of time. Oh, yeah. You better learn to love it or you better fucking go to fucking the gas station and get a job there. 
Because otherwise, <laughs> you know, I feel I completely agree. I think that's just true in every aspect of life. I think physically is one of the fucking hardest ways to do it. And that's like when you talk about Chromex, talk about Danziger, like Rollins and his era, or even like Reznor and his kind of lifting era. You know what I mean? I feel like right, right. It, it shows fucking discipline. And I, it's fucking hard as shit. It's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. It's literally like every time yeah. I'm just like, fuck, I don't want to do this shit at all. Not even 1%. But you just fucking do it. <laughs> it's just, you, it like today, me and Joe got up and we we're just like, God. You know, we were up till whatever, 4 a.m. doing band stuff. And we're just like, I don't want to fucking do this at all. And we just go and we do it. And it wasn't a good day in there, but we did it. So at least we fucking did it. You know what I mean? Well, what you can do when things are not optimal, that says a lot about what you can do when things are optimal. Those those are the real tests. And I'm a guy who likes to work out, but there are a lot of days I don't feel like putting it in. But I'm like, fuck it, I got to get it in. It's on the schedule. I got to get it in. And often, sometimes oh, yeah. those are the best workouts I'll ever have. Sometimes when you're really tired, you go to the gym, you realize, okay, I'm tired. So I don't have any time to waste on shit. I need to focus yeah. on every rep I'm doing because I don't have, I can't afford any energy, any energy dissipation. I can't afford to waste time looking at the TV in between sets or to talk to people with the having these meaningless conversations. Or on your phone. I need to focus on your phone. Check it out. Yeah, exactly. Look at them checking email. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When, when, when you're fatigued, when you feel like crap. It's like, it's like, for example, if you have the flu, but you have to do a gig, it's probably going to be a good gig because you have to be really dialed in. You have to be in the pocket because you don't yeah. have any energy to waste not to be in the pocket. 100%. That's, that's really true. And it's a hard, the thing is though, is that I think you're deep in this mindset. I feel like and it's a hard thing to snap into that mindset. It's really hard to teach your mind to like shut up, especially yeah. for me. Like it it's, it's, it's been, that's the biggest struggle. And like you have that switch and that's why you're successful in that way. And you created that switch. You didn't, it's not like you were given it or had it. It's, but it's, yeah. that's a hard thing to learn how to put that switch inside of you that says, like, I'm not going to listen to what my, my mind is telling, my mind is racing telling me, don't do this, do that. You're hearing all these different things, especially for, like, me, I'm a person who, like, is a, a real, like, overthinker, and I'm always thinking about stuff all the time. And it's good for creative, but it's not good in there. It's bad in there. It's not good when you're in in that in that fucking gym. It's it's very stressful, and you have to just like right get through it. And it's it's been good for me. And obviously, I mean, I got a such a long way to go with it. But just starting that and just you know trying to do that, I think has been for me and Joe like really important for our our, our lives. I think one well, way to do it though, is always, always, always look at the alternative too. That's, that's another motivator. Is like, okay, if <laughs> right. I don't go to the gym, right. I'm, I'm going to be like these other fat fucks that are 45 years old. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be the post child. I don't want to be the poster child for the dad. You know, those are the things. Yeah. I don't want to be that dude that like throws his back out just for reaching for the remote. You know, so even at the back exactly. Out, and, I, like, and I don't want to be. Know? I don't want to be that dude in the van that's <laughs> all the fucking time. That like you know like exactly. I right right. All of us used to, and I used to be that. Me and Joe Bush used that. It's like, why are we sick every tour? It's like, oh, because, right. and then I realized by slowly, you know, and thank, really, I, I really thank Jujitsu for this because it's what my our first steps were in realizing that. It's like, 
it's because my body is not healthy. And yeah, I'm like, I'm skinny or whatever, and I'm, I don't look fat. Or it's like my body's not healthy. I can feel my body's not healthy. I feel like shit. I feel like shit all the time. I'm tired all the time. And you realize like there, there, you you don't just have to live with that. And now I'm, I don't get sick on tour, even just from even just from you know training just years and lifting for a year or whatever and doing physical, it's like you feel so, it's just such a big difference, you know, and, and it's, that's oh, yeah. kind of like the thing that keeps me, I hit the road and I feel good. I take a flight and most of it, not always, but most of the time, I, when I get off, I feel okay and I feel good. And I used to get off and just because it was ro- ro- rocking me up and there wasn't good things going on in there, I felt like shit. And I, you know, when you sent me that book, I was reading a lot about that and and that I didn't have any idea about any of that stuff. So you know that's right, just really right. interesting and there's just so much to learn in the world in that way and I feel like oh yeah it's a great place to start is with your own body and mind, you know. Well, you're at the right age to take charge of it because Sincere and I are way ahead of you. We're both in our 40s. You know, I'm 40 we're both 45 or I'm you're 45 Sincere, I'm close to it. But anyway, both of us still look good and healthy because when we were your age, we were into fitness and training and all that. So the That's people awesome. who look like shit, who look, yeah, the people who look like shit when they're in their 40s, these are people who never took care of themselves. They probably looked like yeah. shit when they were in their 20s, too, to be honest. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it was probably a never probably. time in their life where they looked like shit. It was a different version. It was a different version of looking like shit. Yeah. Because I look at small college yeah. and I got skinny friends who, you know, back then, you know, we thought they were okay and thought they were healthy. And I look at them now, but then I look back, I was like, how did they get here? And I was like, ah, oh, I remember the party yeah. that we went. I remember how this dude would drink you under the table. I remember this dude pretty much would bring a 40 ounce <laughs> to like class. We'd be in a, a we'd be at an 8, 8 a.m. class. You know, and he sits the very back with his backpack, and he had like a forty and like a, a special two piece in there. And I, I remember that it was like three times a week, and he did this the whole semester. And so when I look at his picture now on Facebook, I'm like, "That's how the fuck you got there." Yeah, <laughs> I witnessed this. Anything, anything to do, anything to do with a forty is bad news. Let's just start there. <laughs> that's all. That's all a student could afford back then. It's like, oh man. Oh, I used to drink 40s when I was in college. Believe me, exactly. I'm laughing yeah. because I wasn't as bad, I wasn't as bad as that guy sincere, but I was that guy who would put a 40 in a thermos and walk around campus, yeah. not at 8 a.m. but around 1 p.m. Yeah. You know? That's how. Anything, that's anything, how anytime you're drinking, yeah. anytime you're drinking a 40, you know you're in trouble. Let's just put it that way. Oh God, that's like Joe used to, when I met Joe in high school. Our bassist. Uh huh. That's how yeah. he was. I mean, he was like all fucked right, up, right. and he had like a giant fucking afro and shit. And now, none, neither, <laughs> both of us have actually—I've actually been—I have I've been straight edge. I haven't I, my whole life, pretty much. I've never drank or done drugs uh-huh. or anything. But Air, yeah. Joe used to fucking Joe made that change when he was like sixteen, just because like he—I think because he knew us, and that was the only alternative that he saw to get out of it and changed his life in that kind of way. And I think all that stuff's obviously fine with moderation. But just for me, though, like, I always saw people who would do that, and I'm just like, you're a fucking loser. It's like, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Like, you know, it's not a good luck, man. Me. It's just sad. You know Being drunk, I always say, I've never met a woman who's drunk who, where that made her more attractive. You know, it's wow. always a really bad look. <laughs> The guy, most guys yeah. are dumb anyway, whether they're drunk or not. So it's it's not that yeah. big of a difference. It's like, well, you know what? You're a dumbass dumb when you're loud. sober. So yeah, they're just dumb. They're yeah, yeah. Dumb now, now, now you're just a, exactly. Now you're a more talkative dumbass because you've had a couple of drinks. Oh God! But I've yeah. seen women who are 
for cool ladies when they're sober and they have a couple of drinks, they just become total ditzes and it's not a good look at all. It's a really bad right. look. So I, I get oh, 100%. it. 100%. I get yeah, it. Yeah, 100%. And when you're in your 40s and you're still drinking like when you're in your 20s, that's is Yeah, it's like, that's you know, look, man. If depressing at that point. Once you cross over to 30 and you're still drinking to get drunk, it's not a good look, man. First, it hurts. <laughs> it hurts a lot more the next morning, man. If you're still getting hangovers right. out of your 20s, I don't know how you're making it, man, because look, Two things you don't do after you get after you pass thirty: get in the fight and get drunk to to, to get like toasted and just wasted, man. <laughs> yeah. So neither one feels good the next day, man. Even though you may have gotten to a fight with one dude and you only drank like I don't know, you only threw up once. It felt like you threw up all of your intestines the next day, and it felt like you fought everyone like on the Marine Corps, like you know, team or something like that, man. It's, exactly. it's not fun. It's not fun. I don't care who you are. I don't care what kind of problems you have. It's not going to get any better by getting wasted because it is not. It does not feel good on your body. I don't care if you're fit. I don't care if you're fat. It doesn't matter. That's the one time that being fit and fat is you're feeling. You're both feeling exactly the same. There is no yeah. difference. Between you. That's the most true. It's the great. It's the great. It's the great equalizer. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, with you guys, Jamie, you, you you guys destroy on stage, right? You guys bring really intense energy. That's one thing you're all known for. All all of you, every single person in the band, just crushes it every single time. You're not going to have that kind of consistency and that kind of intensity if you're dissipating it somewhere else. If you're getting blasted all the time and you're yeah. all of those things, all those negative things. Right. I'm right. trying to get our keyboardist, who's like my best friend, to stop freaking smoking weed ten times a day every single damn day. And that tell you what, that's not fucking working. So he's that's why he's back <laughs> on the keyboards now because he can't fucking run around like that anymore. We had to get a we had to get a new guy to fucking uh start going insane but that's his life but i feel like uh that it's none of us that is the one thing that i just literally won't allow is like to be fucked up or something on stage it's like uh it's just 100 percent complete none of us have ever done right it's they're all like it's only you're only you're you're only yeah, you're only having a good performance in your mind. <laughs> you know, right. the audience we, is, dude, no audience, yeah. you're not, In your mind, you're like, man, I'm crushing it. I'm killing it up here. And the audience is going, what, what the, yeah. what's, what's going on with that one guy out there? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So fuck that. I think that's the fucking, I hate that. And that's, that was made clear when we were really young. The good thing about us is we all started so young that we just all know what each other is. We know the deal. Everyone knows the fucking right. deal. And it's like, it's easy. It's so much easier in that way than taking grown adults and having to like tell them, you know, the way that right you, that, or like try to explain yourself to them. It's like we all understand each other. We're all fully committed. We've done all of this together. The newest member of the band has been our friend since middle school. I mean, and went on tons mm-hmm. of the tours. He looked a lot different. He was a lot heavier before, but. He went on our tour selling merch. He was a guitar. Like, he went through the ringer before he joined the band. So everybody involved knows the deal and has been there for everything. So that's important, I think. Yeah. Something about paying your dues together, right? All of it, as you said, you've all known each other for a long time. You started together. You paid your dues together. You're still paying your dues now. It's not. It's a, it's a much different experience than you, you bring in a hired gun now who didn't go yeah. through that process. With no way. not going to be on. There's no way that person can be on the no same page. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. I, I would much. I, I think if it came to that point, we would just stop doing it. There's no point to me. 
No doubt. If it's not fun, because it, it's so, I mean, it goes for anything, whether it's a business or what you guys are doing. If it's not enjoyable, how long are you going to sustain it? Definitely. It's impossible. And like the love that we all have for each other and the friendship is what has gotten us through a lot of stuff. That's a lot of hard stuff in all the years of just like sleeping on floors and playing on floors and doing everything on floors. So I feel like <laughs> us all being such good friends and having the same goals and drive, it doesn't mean we don't fight. I mean, we all fight like a lot. Not anymore, but there, we, there was a time where we were fighting like oh, every day. But we got through it, and that was always our thing. Like we would argue, and our thing would be like, yo, in like an hour, this is just over. And we're everyone, it's just forgotten. And it just disappears. It's like nobody hangs on to anything. You know what I mean? And I think that's what yeah, really I mean, helps in any situation, especially about a partnership, because that's what this is. As a band, even though you've been friends forever, oh, yeah. it's still a business partnership. And the best way yeah. to have right. a situation like that is to handle it right then and there, address it. You know, it's always good to have that one neutral person in the room that's kind of like the moderator. It's like, okay, here yeah. are the rules, how we're going to address this. You're going to say what you have to say. you got this long to get it out. You Then you will not interrupt him. You're going to listen to what he has to say. And yeah. you're going to take it in, and then you're going to get your turn. And then the other person, you're going to get your rebuttal to that. And then we're not leaving this room until we settle on something. You know, gonna carry whatever it is, we're not carrying it outside this room. So that's either very way, much how we one thing's going to happen. We'll fix it tonight, and everybody's going to be in this room all damn night. So the choice is going to be up to you guys. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, no, it's going to be watched. I, I agree. I mean, that's kind of, that is in a weird way how we kind of like do it. Like it's maybe not that specific, but it's very just like, yo, I think I'm the kind of person who wants, and sometimes it's not a good thing because some people don't operate this way and I've learned that, but I want it to just be settled like then. I don't like yeah. a little <laughs> subtle shit or little like, you know, yeah, little like right. talking Passive little shit stuff. It's like, yeah. you got something to say, then just say it. Like, let's just do this now. Right. You know what I mean? And that's all led right. to bad things with us in the past, but like, we're all fucking best friends. We don't, we get over it. Like I, like I said, I live with Joe and Dominic who's our other guitarist. We all live together. We've lived together for like three years. And before that we were all right. together every day too. So it's just like, that's just what, who we are. I, I, I feel that's what's kept us together the most. It makes it really hard at times because let's say we go to practice, we have a big fight. Guess where I'm going home to the same exact people. They're just there. But <laughs> yeah. at the same time, kind of like that does happen often, and it's especially hard for me because a lot of times I'm kind of the one who's giving the marching orders in a lot of ways. So it's kind of like they right. you know, you become the enemy in a way. But I think what's helped me is I'm always super verbal. If I see that they're upset, and I think a lot of guys and stuff don't really do this, which I get, but. For me, I guess I grew up with, like, a lot of sisters and stuff. So if I see if they're upset, I'm just like, what are you upset about? Like, what's wrong? You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. why, why are you mad? Right. What's wrong? And we talk about it every time. Right. So I feel like that's important. And sometimes it, like, comes – we've, like, come to – Very important. Kinda, you know, but it, it, it <laughs> happens. You just – whatever. We'll, we've all kind of scrapped a little bit. But at the end of the day, it's all good. It never goes that far. And – that's part of the process when you start a band when you're 14, you start torn when you're 17, now you're 24. You know what I mean? So right. I, I feel like that's a part of it. Well, it's important that you don't have resentment. Resentment is a big killer of, of any chemistry, right? So if you have a problem and you just bottle it up, it's gonna, it's gonna you're going to be acting in ways that are just completely negative for everyone else. Yeah. 
someone's going to be snapping on that. But you have, you have resentment towards someone. Like, let's say you're, you have resentment towards someone else in the band and they say something and you just snap and people are like, what the hell is that? <laughs> you know, yeah. that's, that's yeah. just the beginning of the end. And then resentment leads to sarcasm. When everyone's really sarcastic, so you say something and someone has this really sarcastic response, everyone yeah. on the outside may think, oh, that's kind of funny. But that's that's the beginning of a serious problem. Right. I agree. And we've always had that. We've gone through so many cycles of that we've gotten to the serious problem. We've gotten over the serious problem. We've gone. So it's kind of like when you go through it a bunch of times, it's like, you know that there's a light on the other side and you just know how to deal with it. And you just fucking get over it. It's like, we all like right. doing this. So we can fight. I mean, we, you fight it out sometimes. And I think a lot of that is, has have to be on me in terms of like, the position I'm in in the band and kind of like a, and they wouldn't dispute this, but just like a leadership role in some way, I have to learn how to sure. like manage the way I say stuff and, and things like that. Because when you kind of open up that door, that's the door everybody kind of goes down just naturally. It's not like a, uh, thing and the way we run the band, we split everything equal. So it's not like a, a that sort of thing. It's more just like a tribe kind of thing. You know what I mean? So, right. They, we all kind of know where, where the way everything rolls, and if I'm kind of like having this whole vibe, that's going to be the vibe 100% in the group, and that and, and that's that's something I've had to learn how to wrestle with, and like make you got to make yourself the best person at all times whenever you're having to be in that role, you know. And I feel like, like I said, financially, us splitting everything is what makes there not be resentment because everyone puts in 100%. work. And we all very open, yeah. like, hey, if someone stops putting in that work, then we'll stop with this arrangement. And everyone's fucking straight with that. Nobody's like, well, everyone's right. like, yeah, you're, that makes complete sense. But for now, we all work hard every day. Let's just do it. That's, that's, it doesn't matter if some people do more stuff than others. It's like we all are there. It doesn't exist without all of us. So let's just, no resentment, just let's just do it. And, and I think that's the best way to do it. Right. Yeah, for for a band to have longevity, it's critical because that's the other thing. Money problems or people feeling like they're not getting their fair share, that also is going to lead to hardcore resentment, which is inevitably going to pull things apart. And then you start becoming a band like Megadeth where there's a new lineup with every record. (laughs) (laughs) Megadeth is basically Dave Dave Mustaine. It could be called Dave, and I like Megadeth, but it could be Dave Mustaine and -and so-and-so because it's a different lineup every single time. But you don't have that yeah. cohesiveness that other bands have that have managed to keep it together. I mean, Kiss did and the same I just, thing. Gene Simmons, Gene Simmons oh, did so yeah. much of the work in the band, but he made he made sure everyone got paid the same. They split it four ways yeah. because he wanted to avoid the very problems that you were just talking about. That's exactly one hundred percent. And have you seen like some kind of monster, the Metallica movie? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Did you ever That's see? Did you ever see the scene with fucking Dave Mustaine? Those were the dudes that yeah. he like yeah. loved. <laughs> And he was so smart, yeah. like his own, he was kind of oh, yeah. put out the pasture by the guys he actually loved and the guys he would have put everything yeah. with. You know, it's like, right. but right. once you get put out the pasture like that, uh, then, you know, and it's then you start thinking about it differently. You start protecting yourself. So I don't blame him in that way because it's like, once I watched that movie, like he really laid it out in that movie. He was like, I would do anything. Oh, he, did. Like, he had a huge band. He's like, I don't care. He's like, I'd do anything just to fucking be in this band because I just love being in this band and you know, I want to be in this band. You said that. Well, you know, you know what his problem. You know what his problem was is that he created Megadeth out of revenge. He's like, I want to fucking blow those guys out of the water. It wasn't because he's like, oh, I love music and I want to keep going. 
this is what I got from that movie and other interviews I've seen. Maybe now it's different, but initially it was all about getting back in Metallica. And that's why when the first couple of records didn't sell, sell as well as Metallica's, even though they sold well, that would really be demoralizing for him because he was always measuring himself against Metallica. And that is 100%. really deleterious for your health as well. That's, that's what gets you. And dude, you know what? A little side Dave Mustaine kind of story that was really cool. One time I did this interview and it was like this big thing where they had all these big metal dudes and there was like a young dude kind of class and I was in that. And it was an interview with Scott Ian and Dave Mustaine. They did their own thing. And the guy who interviewed said, yeah, I kind of, Dave Mustaine kind of brought up that there's like no new young bands that are really killing it. And I guess Scott Ian like corrected him and was like, no, man, this fucking band Code Orange, because we had just toured with them. He was like, they're fucking awesome. And I was like, wow, how cool is that just to think about, cool. like, That's Scott really Ian cool. and Dave Mustaine talking about Code Orange being sick. It was fucking crazy. That That's was awesome. awesome. Well, Chris, Chris Kyle of Five Finger Death Punch is always plugging you guys, and he lives here in Vegas, yeah. so I'm not friends with him, but I, I see him all the time when I go to concerts. So where I'm going is he's a fan of music. That guy yeah. loves music. You would, you would think going to a concert would be the last thing he would want to do after yeah. being on tour with Five Finger Death Punch. But I kid you not, 90% of the metal shows I go to, you're going to see him there. He's <laughs> a great fucking guy, man. I love that guy. Yeah, he's a really cool guy. Text, me and him like text all the time. You need, you should link up with him, man, because he's also kind of – I don't know what he does. I know he trains like Muay Thai a lot and at one of those – like it might be like the UFC gym or something down there. But, uh, yeah, or, I spoke, I spoke uh, to him one time at a show. I, he and I, he yeah. was at the bar and I was at the bar. And I just, I just said, hey, man, big fan of your work. Keep up the great work. And he and I had a little bit – he gave me some time. He and I had a little exchange. But I'm one of those yeah. guys – I, I, I'm not going to bring up my business in that context yeah. where I'm going. I'm not going to yeah. be like, "Oh, hey, man, by the way, uh, check out my website," because then, because I know how it's, I know what it's like to be in that position on the other side to some extent, where someone comes right. up to you and they start with a compliment, and then there's some agenda. So whenever I see him, first, and also he's not out there for that. So I, I know what you're yeah. saying. You know, I can reach up to reach out to him through other means, but whenever I run to him, run into him at a concert or something like that, I'm never going to be that guy. Who tries to turn it Dude, into the net, what we event. gotta do is the next show <laughs> we play out there, we all gotta just link up because that would be fucking awesome. Oh yeah, let's do I it. I feel like let's do it. He's I've like, got like some interaction with him on dude. Twitter. He's a cool guy. Yeah. Oh no, I, that's super that's the information I get every time. I mean, every time yeah. I see him, I'll say something like, "Hey man, how you doing? Great to see you. Love your band." And and then, and then I keep it moving because I don't need to be that yeah. guy who that's lingers around. You don't want to be like. Yeah. By the way, I actually am like a very successful fitness guy, so I'm not just a weirdo coming up to you. <laughs> you don't want to like yeah. <laughs> which makes you a weirdo now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Now you're weirdo. I, Believe I, me, I talk to, I've been in this business. Like, I've been in business a long time, man. I know, I know how to network. <laughs> I know yeah, how to like, network, I and I know wanna, how not to network. <laughs> like one time, I met Nate Diaz actually through Chris Kale, and like in my heart, uh-huh. what I yeah. wanted to say was like. His favorite, he loves Deftones, like his favorite band. I wanted to be like, I'm yeah, yeah, friends right. with Deftones. Right. I toured with the Deftones. I'm not just a complete loser <laughs> getting a picture with you, but I didn't say that. I was just like, took the picture and just like left. No, that's smart, though. That says a lot about you. That says about the fact that you didn't need to say all that. Then. Are you, are you yeah, helping yourself? I wanted to bad, that? though. <laughs> no, I, I understand. Yeah. Because when we're fans of someone and we feel like there's some connection that we could build exactly. upon, it's hard not right. to bring up stuff. I saw Nick Diaz one time, too, walking out of the Cosmopolitan. And I was yeah. just walking around. I was like, man, that guy looks like – not Nate, Nick Diaz, his older brother. I saw yeah. Nick, yeah. and I was just walking down. I was like, shit, that guy looks just like Nick Diaz. And I was like, oh, fuck, it is Nick Diaz. He had the black T-shirt on and the jeans, you know, so the whole thing. Sick. And honestly, 
I didn't even get a chance to even do a, a quick stop and chat, like saying, oh, big fan, man. I just saw him and I kept it moving, right? Because he was in motion, I'm in motion. <laughs> you know, yeah. when someone's in motion, let them stay in motion. You know, he wasn't standing, he wasn't standing next to a slot machine or something by himself. Then you could do a, hey, man, big fan, then you keep it moving. But yeah. uh, those kind of situations, those kind of situations are always tricky. And in so in Vegas, you like- run into you run into people all the time. I'm sure those guys are ever like at that. What happened was we played this festival and Chris Kale was there. And I guess the guy, one of the guys in uh five finger is like a fucking Henzo Gracie black belt. And he's married to one of the Gracie. Yeah. That's, uh, uh, the guitarist, I think. What's yeah, that guy's the name? Guitarist. Yeah. The guy is really into guns. He's really into guns as well. Yeah. He's a cool guy. Yeah, too. He's, he's into all that shit. And he, he freaking, uh, they, I just saw I had been seeing Nate Diaz around, basically just like slowly following him around just to like see him. And then like Chris Kale saw me, he's like, he's like, I know you're a big fan. He's like, let me just take you off and introduce you. I was like, you're the fucking, you're the best. I was literally just like standing a hundred feet away, basically just like following him. Uh, and then I was like, what am I doing? Uh, I gotta get out. What you're staying, you're staying within, you're staying within the restraining order range the whole time. I know. I see it far away. You know what? You, you know what's bad. You know what's bad when they introduce you to someone else? Like I went to Frank Shamrock. I'm a big fan of Frank Shamrock, right? He was a, he was a big guy when I grew up getting into MMA. He's retired. Yeah. You, may, you may not even have heard of him, but he was a legend when. Of course, I, I know him. I UFC. know fucking Frank yeah, Shamrock. Come on, he plays yeah. Jiu-Jitsu. UFC middleweight champion, everything. But anyway, I, early oh, yeah. in my business, he was one of the he was one of the first big contacts I developed. I interviewed him for publication twice, and we had this nice rapport. I got invited to his comeback fight in Lamore, California, and I got a ringside oh, seat. Shit. It was incredible wow. experience. Anyway, after the fight, I was, in, I was like, "Hey, you come back, come over to the after party." And the after party was it was nothing major, but it was it was just cool to be invited there. So I'm talking to Bill Goldberg's there, super nice guy. Wow. And Frank obviously is there, but he just fought, man. He's not in Mister Social mode where he just wants to hang out with people. Oh yeah. And I was talking to him for a little bit, and I could tell I overextended my welcome because the first person to walk by, Frank grabs him. He's like, hey, man, let me introduce you to Mike Mueller real quick. And then I turn around and, and then Frank is gone, man. Like he's fucking, and I'm not saying that I was, being I, was probably, I was probably being a little bit more talkative than I should have been because I was just starstruck. He fucking Frank I was Shamrock. Like, I, can't I, believe, talking to him too. I was like, oh, man, I can't believe I'm at, I mean, the whole thing, the whole time I was starstruck, I was like, wow, I can't believe I'm being invited to this fight. I can't leave on ringside you know Tito Ortiz is in front of me I had two moments that night where it was both bad timing before I met Frank Tito was in front of me and I went over to introduce myself to him but right at the moment when, when I went to introduce myself to him Frank who they're both friends but they're, they're also both very competitive because Frank beat Tito of course so anyway after yeah. Frank won he's walking around and he's, he's mocking Tito he's like pointing he's like doing these hand signals at him and so forth and Tito oh, had God. this big smile on his face and then right when that happened, the fr- the face went to a frown, and that was the exact moment that I'm tapping him on the shoulder. No. <laughs> you know, so he was, uh. you know, with the head as big as my stomach. You know, he looked like a silverback. So if I had introduced myself to him five seconds before that moment, he probably would have been like, oh, hey, man, nice to meet you. But because yeah. he was irritated at Frank, he turns to me with that same irritated look in his face. And here's me like, hey, man, big fan. And he, and he was still cool, but I got out of there wow. quickly. I didn't. Let's just, just put it this way: That's the energy was not where I was going to linger around. You know? And then I went crazy, to Frank's man. after party, and I went to Frank's after party. And it wasn't as bad, but I could tell. I didn't realize. I mean, I could, it was pretty obvious to me that I overstayed my my welcome talking to Frank when he 
just handed me off to some random guy, you know, walking by. And even that guy is like, why did he introduce you to me? And what are we going to talk about? You know, so that was also. Oh, my God. That's brutal. <laughs> you know what? Dude, I'll tell you the high note was the high note was Bill Goldberg. Oh, wow. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, man. No, no, no. That's no Bill awesome. Goldberg was super cool. That's no, he had, I started talking to Bill Goldberg. But we know it's what well, well, Bill Goldberg, he and I are both really, really into animal rights, right? Like Bill Goldberg does a lot of stuff to prevent dog fighting. He's gone to Congress. He's always doing stuff to help dogs. So that was a common passion. So instead of me going up to him and saying, oh, I'm a big, I'm not, frankly, I'm not even a fan of the WWE. So that would have been disingenuous if I even led with that. But I had yeah. read his book and I knew that that was a common interest we had. And the second I brought that up, you could just see his face light up. And he's like, oh, hey, man, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. What's funny about Bill Goldberg, though, is he's so strong that as he's talking, he's just tapping my stomach, right? Just hand gesture. And every yeah. time he did it, I had a brace. <laughs> you know? The first time really? he did it, I was like, oh, shit, that kind of, I was like, oh, shit, that kind of hurt. <laughs> he wasn't trying oh, to, like, punch me in the stomach. He's, he's just one of those guys who, who moves his body a lot when he talks. So he's just making yeah. a point and he's tapping me in the stomach or slapping me on the back. And I was like, shit, man, next time he does that, I better brace because every time he hits me, I'm moving. <laughs> he's going to fold you with, the, with that shot immediately. <laughs> KO. But he didn't hand me off to anyone, so I was happy about that. <laughs> that's fucking awesome. Yeah, dude, it's funny. Like, I feel a definite, the most starstruck I ever feel, maybe it's just because of my interests, are with, like, MMA guys and fighting guys, mainly because it's just like, sure, you could actually kill me. That's like literally what I'm always thinking. <laughs> when you meet some like musician or something who's sure. like three foot tall and like, I'm just like, eh, <laughs> it's not that great. And then you just meet like this guy who can just fucking kill you. And it's like, <laughs> God, that's fucking crazy that you're real, pretty much. <laughs> Meanwhile, when we're at the Grammys and stuff, I'm like, eh, I mean, all these people are one foot tall is one of the things I noticed. <laughs> and yeah, especially for you, you're six foot three, so everyone is shorter. <laughs> they're all little. Not these, dude. Nick, or <laughs> Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz was a lot bigger than I fucking thought he was. He's fucking huge. Oh yeah, yeah. He's like my, yeah, when my height fighting, at least. Yeah, he's six foot one, and when they're not fighting, they walk around one ninety five, something like that. Nick Diaz too. Dude, he, he looked a lot bigger in person. He looks big, and if he's 195, it's definitely like all muscle. Because he was, because oh, I'm yeah. about 185, and he was big, man. I was like, God damn, you yeah. fight at 155 <laughs> sometimes? How do you get down to yeah. that? That's crazy. Well, like, just look, just look at his look at his physique. Yeah, look at his physique when he's 155. He he doesn't look much different than what's his name Christian Bale and the Machinist. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, he's. <laughs> Nick, Nick Diaz at 155. I mean, he is. He looks worn out, but that's at just like Connor at featherweight. Yeah, Connor at oh, featherweight yeah. looks like that too. Yeah. Yeah. He looks like he's knocking on death's door at at like, featherweight, yeah. man. Connor, it was. He looks way better at 155 than at 170. He just he actually actually he has yeah. to eat to gain weight. <laughs> that's, right. that's not the right yeah. weight class for him. The 155 is he's perfect at. I know what you mean though. There's something and Dana White has said that too. He goes, look, there's something about fighters that just makes people giddy. It just makes them excited. Like he's like, you know, if Mike Tyson walked in the room room right now, people are going to be shitting their pants. They can be like, oh my god, it's Mike Tyson. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like James about Dan, But these these dudes can be killers though. That's the thing. That's what makes you get is like, you know, let me kind of this guy can really just yeah. take somebody out right now. It's like this dude could choke yeah. somebody out right now right. and give them permanent brain damage. That's right. You know, what's crazy is like we all could, but these guys have shown you they could. <laughs> that's the thing yeah. about it. Like <laughs> we can all talk shit, but we've seen what they can do. We're like, you know. I, I saw it on TV. Man. 
<laughs> yeah. Is well, that, that's why you're. That's fun. why you're going to be more. That's why there's an extra level of reluctance to just walk up and do the stop and chat because 100%. of that mentality. Exactly. <laughs> but the that, flip side is these guys. Oh yeah, but I've met many MMA fighters, and I got to tell you, 100 percent of the time they've been really cool. Yeah, just they are. Cool are they, there are a lot of them are really cool. I feel like for me at least, like when it comes to the to music people, I feel like in some way I have something to like talk about or bring up. But when it comes to like <laughs> right, people right. in that world, it's like, what the fuck am I gonna say to you? It's like I'm just <laughs> like a fucking idiot. You're a fucking a killer. So I'm not gonna even say. Well, anything honestly, a lot of those guys are into. Um, a lot of those guys are into bands. So even if they, they are, even, yeah, if they, even, if they, even if they don't know you, a lot of them may know you. But even if they don't know you, just the fact that if you even brought that up, I think it would be. Yeah. They're like, oh, really? What band are you in? What do you do? It's like, oh, you tore the world. Yeah. Tour? Like dream was that he would watch us at that festival, but it it wasn't gonna happen. So I was like, please have <laughs> check us out, bro. Like I, I was just like, it'll happen. Know. It'll be it'll happen when you don't care about it happening. That's just one of those yeah. life lessons that you're gonna, that that'll happen for you. You know, you're gonna be 35. Your eighth record has come out, and he's gonna come up and be like, oh man, I've been a huge fan. And you're like, oh cool. <laughs> you know? Now, that's yeah, just, that's just what happens. Like you know what, let's get out of here. I'm just like, you know what? <laughs> no, that's that. You know who would show up to watch us, man? You know who showed up to watch us at freaking 10 a.m. was freaking Corey Taylor. He pulled up. Oh, really? They cool. were headlining. They're headlining that thing, and he shows up at a fucking 10:30 with Randy from Lamb of God. And there's literally no one even in the festival. Very cool. Yet. We literally ba- played to like an empty crowd because they had a problem with like the doors or whatever. So we're just like basically oh, really? playing a okay. show for Corey Taylor and Randy, Randy uh, from Lamb of God. We fucking smashed it, thank God. But it was so cool. <laughs> they play at fucking 9.30. He doesn't got to show up to this shitty festival in Wisconsin at fucking 10 a.m., but he does. <laughs> and he came up to me, and he was just like, dude, I forget what he said, but something so cool. He was like, oh, man, I just want you to know, like, I'm a big fan. I was like, What? What the fuck are you awesome. talking about? That's awesome. It was crazy. It was a cool he shit. He seems like a cool guy. Man. Yeah, I'm a big, yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan, fan of Snow Sour, and I've seen Slipknot before. Yeah. I've never met Corey, but just the way he acts on stage, he just seems like a really Great cool guy. guy. When Amazing. My lady and I saw Snow Sour oh, last year, and it was he was funny, man, because right before he was about to do one of their more intense songs, he's like, all right, everybody, put your beers down. I want to see everyone jumping up and down. And then one guy holds, holds up his cell phone. He's like, what am I supposed to do with this? And Corey's like, you better put that in your ass. <laughs> you know? I thought that was the best response ever to like a cell phone, stupid cell phone. That's awesome. He's he's just a great guy, man. Like he, me and him talk all the time, honestly. He like, he's That's so cool, freaking supportive. Really cool. It's just like when people hit that level, I think a lot of them become, it's, it's nice to talk to people at that level because they're not, there's no ulterior motive. They all they care about, all they do right. is think you're cool, and they wanna, you know, they wanna help you, and that's like such a good feeling from somebody right. that you look up to, like him. And he's such a nice guy. Like it was insane how cool he was. Honestly, a bunch of the Slipknot guys are super cool. The Stone Sour guys are all super cool. We met like a bunch of them too. They yeah. all watched our set too, the whole band. So on oh, a different festival, awesome. so they're fucking. Awesome. There's there's some of those and Lamb of God, the, the Randy Lamb of God, me and him like text great him all the time. He's just a great guy, man. Like these dudes who you know I've looked up to, they're just. I mean, and I come from a bit of a different world, so it's it's 
which I think helps because they understand that world a little bit. And it's not, I, I have like a reference point, you know, but I feel like there's just good guys. And you could tell they come from that too, the way that they act. So it's awesome. That, that's really cool. That's got to be really gratifying. And also, like Jamie Josta says, he always talks about this, and you've been on the show, of course, but he always talks, and I'm a huge yeah. fan of the show, but he always talks about how these younger bands need that cosign. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Player gives you a cosign. That's big. Lamb of God gives you a cosign. Kerry, Corey Taylor gives you a cosign. Chris from Five Finger Death Punch gives you a cosign. That's a big deal. You're doing something, you're doing something right. You're doing something right, man. You know, exactly. It is. It, it, it really is. A, it validates what yeah. you're doing. It's like, cause I know there are times you're thinking like, man, why the fuck do we keep doing this? You know? Oh, yeah. Those, those, it, but then, you know, you get a moment like that. You're like, oh, well, that's why. It's like, obviously, they see something in you, you know, when, especially when you're feeling a little doubt about yourself. So when you see someone of yeah. that caliber and they, they like, like, man, I'm a big fan of you. That says a lot right there. It's like, okay, whatever. Like you say, you overthink a lot. That right there tells the overthinking yeah. voice, okay, you know what? You can officially shut the fuck up now because Corey Taylor yeah. is a fan. <laughs> yeah, I know. Or like, we were about to set up to play that festival, and I'm looking at the crowd. I'm going like, for fuck's sake! Oh. Like, this is just a fucking nightmare. They haven't even opened up the doors yet. Like, we're literally going to play. They haven't even opened up the doors. So even if people wanted to be here, they couldn't. And then fucking he walks over, and I'm yeah, like, that's a real right, screw well, there's, there's a reason we're fucking here. You know what I mean? Like, there's a reason that we're we're doing this, and we've had a call. We've been really lucky, man, to have. A lot of moments like that lately in the past year, especially they all have kind of happened in the past year, but they're all starting to to happen, you know. So I'd, it's right. it's it's a, it's a good feeling for sure. Well, successful people like seeing people grind because that's what they did to become successful. I think yeah. a lot of us want to be generous with our time. We want to help people out, but we don't want to waste our time. So we no, don't want exactly. people coming to us. Just yeah, people are coming to us, and we can tell they're just trying to get a cosign from any of us in our respective industries in order to further yeah. their ends. So they're, because they're yeah. lazy. They don't want to put in the work. It's like, oh, if I just get Mike to bring me to one of his workshops, I don't have to, I don't have to do a course in front of two people like he did when he first yeah. started off, but it, it never works out that way. But when people, game respects game, right? Grind respects grind. So when you see people really pushing it, you never know who's watching. I mean, I had a great moment in my career where in our industry, the fitness in the strength coach world, especially the more intense training, you know, Charles Poliquin is considered the best strength coach out there for good reason. Wow. I mean, he's exceptional. Yeah. Now, I remember one day people were emailing me and going, man, I just read about that write-up Charles put up about you. That's pretty awesome. And I hadn't seen it yet. And I was like, what are these guys talking about? Like, I got a lot wow. of emails from people congratulating me. I got a lot of emails from people congratulating me because that's how meaningful a cosign from this guy is. And yeah. I went and read the, I went and read the blog post he put up and it was, it was like, you know, who I respect in the industry. And he goes, oh, I respect Mike Mahler for these reasons, even though he disagrees with my philosophy on a lot of things. Like I'm a strict vegan. He's a big time animal consumer, you know, meat eater. Yeah. But he respected, yeah. he respected the way I do things and so forth and the way I put myself out. There. And it was, it was a really nice write up is where I'm going. And I, got, I won't kid. I won't lie, man. That, that made my day. You know, yeah, I, man. I was, I was like, wow, that's really cool. Yeah, it warms you. Yeah, one hundred percent. If you if to you get say that kind of you're just a liar. So it, it's you know that's, that's your yeah no I would, yeah exactly. I mean it, that really made I was like wow that's, I can't believe that I was like I can't believe you wrote that up. And I had had I had some interaction with him. I interviewed him a couple of times. But we've never we still haven't met in person. He's been on our podcast a couple of times and great guy, great strength coach. But I, awesome. it's not like I asked him to write that up. It's not like I asked him to write that or he told me he was going to write that. He just wrote it and put it out there. And word just spread, and it got to me, and I was like, "Holy shit!" 
and I've had, uh, you know, a few other people do that too. So it's where I'm going is, is those people had to work really hard to get where they are. So when they see someone up and coming, going through that same process, you can't help but respect that. Oh yeah. 100%. Yeah. That's, and I always try to think about that going forward too, because I'm in such like a, we're so hungry, like that we're always in the grind. So it's hard to think of that, but in the future, at least I would like to be able to do that for others if I'm able, you know? Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, you just saying, you just retweeting something saying, Hey, so-and-so just came out with a new record. Check it out. That That's probably a big deal for a lot of bands. Even bands I try to do that. Yeah. 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 I see you do no, that right. a lot on Twitter. Yeah. I try. Yeah. I try. And I see a lot of other bands do that too. They do in the hardcore scene, especially. And I think that's a pretty cool no doubt. thing. I mean, there's a lot of these guys in metal bands and stuff that have done that for us. Like, I know, like, the girl from Hailstorm, she tweets about us all the time. Yeah, and yeah. They're, like, awesome. there's all kinds of, there's all these different people that I don't know. I never even met them. Uh, and they're doing stuff like, Dino from Fear Factory has written really nice stuff about us. Uh, like, uh, Sl- awesome. Corey, Randy, Chris, like, all these people. It's just, it's really fucking cool for us. And it's validating when we're, because we're, dude, we're still, we tore in a van with a trailer. I mean, that's how we, we've never, <laughs> we've never been on a bus ever, not even one time. I've never, I've only that, ever gone on a bus. That's what I was alluding to. Yeah. I've never, that's what I was alluding to when I asked that question. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no doubt. We've never, when we've I asked you how, 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 uh, the, when I asked you how the Grammys have affected you, that's basically what I was alluding to because the, oh, okay. the yeah. perception from a lot of people who don't, on the outside, who don't understand your industry is, Oh man, those guys are at the Grammys and they almost won a nom- yeah. they almost won a Grammy. They got nominated. Yeah. Blah blah blah. They must be, they must be living it up now. They're probably in this huge tour bus and every single one of them has a no. nice house. That's the that's the delusional mindset of people when they see that kind of media attention, right? The media attention yeah. is nice, but that alone is not going to make your career. Like you guys can't just not ride off on the attention you got from that. I mean, that's over. Grammys is old news. So yeah. just, no one's I talking know. about that anymore. So, so if yeah. you if you try to write off that, the band is gonna is gonna sink like exactly. the Titanic. I agree, and I feel like, yeah, I mean, no, like I said, we all fucking most of us live together. We all tour in a van, a little twelve or fifteen passenger van with a trailer. And we've never even done one tour on a bus. We haven't even done like a tour on a bus with like another band or anything. We've just never even been on a bus. <laughs> and usually when we're on tours with bands. They let us come on their bus for like a half hour, but then they kind of want us to get off. So <laughs> we never really even right. got to been. But when you go on there, it's a fucking goddamn dream. It's fucking amazing. I, yeah. Thinking about being able to go on a bus, man, is like Willy Wonka on Chocolate Factory be nice. style. Dude, my whole I just yeah. What five I, finger? Yeah. Oh my god. I'll go ahead. I don't ahead. get what people. They have a nice like, What's what are they? I guess I get it because as you get older, things change. But like. What what is bad about this life if that's the situation? The reason I hate this life right. a lot is because I literally have to sleep in the back of this van like overnight, like at least like eight times a tour and just wake up like at the next show <laughs> in the van. And one of us has to drive it and still play the show. Still like our friend. Yeah. So it's like, it's a fucking nightmare. Right. It's been, it, that never ends. You know what I mean? It's just like you never feel... <laughs> good your back hurts all the fucking time because of that and yeah yeah i don't know it's uh, but i guess i get it like once you kind of get accustomed to the luxuries then you kind of you miss home and stuff but 
if I could get on a goddamn look, man, I'll give, you, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example on a much lower level, right? Early in my career, when I flew overseas, obviously I had to fly coach because it's expensive to fly to London or elsewhere. As I started yeah. making more money, though, one day I decided, you know what? Let me let me try this economy plus, which is basically in between yeah. first class and coach, right? It's a happy medium. Yeah. It's not that much more expensive than coach if you book far enough in advance, but it's it's definitely more expensive. So if you're on a budget, you're you're not even going to think about it. But anyway, one yeah. one time I decided to upgrade, and this was at the booth. Like, oh, if you want to upgrade to economy plus, I was like, fuck it, let's see. It's a ten hour flight. I'll tell you what, yeah. I never went back to coach. <laughs> oh, really? Ten times I went overseas. When I flew to Australia, economy plus. I didn't care how much more I had to pay. There's no way I was going to do coach it? again. I was just, how much better just, is it? It's, it's, it it's significantly better, man. It is so oh, much better, especially it. for Australia. For Australia from Los Angeles is a 15-hour flight. Okay, that's Fuck. brutal even if you're in first class. I know. I've done it. I've but done if that if you're in, multiple times. It sucks. It's hardcore, no. man. So if you're in coach and you're six foot three, you know, I'm six feet tall, and it's bad for yeah, you, it's going to be even worse. Shit. If a person puts their yeah. seat back, you're ready to punch them in the back of their head. That's, uh, and then <laughs> Literally, every, everything, everything is worse. It. Yeah. It's horrible. Everything is worse in coach, right? The proximity of people is closer. Everything about it is worse. Now, you don't necessarily know what you're missing out on if you've never done Economy Plus. But I got to tell you, once I went to Economy Plus, even if I fly now for leisure, I won't fly coach. I just won't do it. (laughs) I just won't do it, man. I can't go back. Oh, God. I got to get up there, man. I got to get up into that place, man. I can't take it. Well, honestly, if it's a thousand bucks to fly coach, let, let's say if it's a, let's say it's a thousand bucks to fly from Las Vegas to London for coach, right? For yeah. Economy Plus, it may be sixteen hundred bucks depending on when you book. It won't be more than two thousand. But my attitude is, look, man, there's not one time. There's been a few times where I'm like, ah, I don't know if I should pay the extra money while I'm booking yeah. the flight, right? But once yeah. I'm in Economy Plus and I look back at people in coach, there's not <laughs> one time where I'm going, you know what? I wish I didn't spend the money. <laughs> yeah. I'm always going. Thank God I spent the money, man. Thank oh, God. God. You get, on the get off the flight Dude. first. You get off the flight first. One time I came back from Australia, and the flight was, first of all, the flight was delayed several times because of mechanical issues, or at least that's what they said, because when you say mechanical issues, no one's going to complain. <laughs> you know? oh, yeah. So anyway, we're stuck at the airport, or I'm stuck at the airport, rather, for eight hours waiting for my flight that's delayed. Now, when I get to the terminal where it's finally boarding, there's this huge line for coach. I mean, massive amount of people. And then the lady's like, oh, anyone who's in Economy Plus, just come over here. And just that alone made me feel better, not having to wait with that herd of like, yeah. like a thousand people. <laughs> dude, I would love that. I, that's the, dude, I just, when I, wa- like, when I was watching some kind of monster, I was like, this life that they have is so crazy <laughs> awesome. I just can't even believe yeah. it. Like, Oh man, I I want it bad. I can't. I mean, we. I can't even tell you. You were where you guys were when they first started. Metallica, where they they used to eat what they called hand sandwiches, where they couldn't afford bread, so it was just a piece of bologna on their hand, and they slept on the floor in a studio in New York City. So they've all been where they've all been where you've been. You know what? That's kind of true. But for once, I've actually started talking to some of them on these tours. It's kind of true, but honestly. It was a different time, man. It really wasn't as, like, from just getting the description, I won't say who, but I talked to a band, and one of the, a band has been around for a long time. And I was asking, oh, what was your first yeah. tour like? Like, it sucked, right? And they're like, oh, man, we were on this, like, uh, 
big kind of like mega bus type of thing. Like it fucking sucked. We all saw like, whoa, 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 whoa. We were on the fucking mega bus. I was like, I'll take the fucking mega bus in a heartbeat. That was the first one. I was like, we're literally like 25, 50, 60 in, in the van. I'm like, dude. Yeah, that's true. There's a lot of yeah, but, uh, it's yeah, but different. The <laughs> they but the all did that ask him how much do they make. How much did they? How much? Yeah. How many? How much did they have to pay from that tour? You know, including True. that mega bus. Right. That's probably right. what, that's probably why they said it sucks because right. Right. they probably were excited too in the very beginning, but then they got that bill at the end of the year. Like, hey man, yeah. where's our money from yeah. this album? Like, oh well, there was the tour, there was the mega bus, there was the agent, there was yeah. this, and they were like, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. And they're probably that's looking, how we live. They're, they're <laughs> looking at you by not doing that. Yeah. yeah, they look at you and they're thinking like, dude, I want your life. I wish I could be in a 15 passenger van with a trailer and because they know they can recoup more money that way. <laughs> I don't know. I think point. that they have the option. I think that they like that comfort because <laughs> I think if they wanted to switch it up, they could. But once you get on that thing, no, it's well, it, once you once you go, go forward, man, it's hard to come like back. Or, 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 shit, like drinks, coffee oh, yeah. machine and shit. I'm like fucking. <laughs> It's fucking badass as shit. It's like we if we ha- keep any food in the van for like more than like a day, it just either freezes or like gets way too hot. So you have to just throw it away. It's a yeah. fucking nightmare. Then, then there's stuff that's there's stuff in between that's not very nice either. Yeah. And there's stuff in between that's not very nice either, right? Like a bandwagon. Yeah. Like I went to interview. Yeah, they're getting rid of those. Though. Yeah. Those are pretty lame. I went to visit Do- interview Doyle one time. At yeah. his show, and they invited me into the bandwagon, and Alyssa from Arch Enemy was there. Very nice people, really cool. But when yeah. I got on the van, I got to tell you, there wasn't any. Once I finished doing the interview, there wasn't any temptation for me to try to linger around. Not that I wanted to do that anyway. I know yeah. I'm not going to waste people's time. <laughs> I know when I wore on my welcome, I'm not going to just be that hang around guy when someone's about to perform soon. But yeah, even if I were that guy. I wouldn't have been in this situation because it wasn't a very nice setup. Setup, you know. So I was happy to get off. Oh yeah, that bandwagon is where I'm going. And I was like, wow, oh, you yeah. got to sleep on this thing every night because it's the same situation that you're talking about. They sleep in. Yeah. They don't sleep in hotel rooms in between gigs. They're sleeping in that thing. And Doyle's a big yeah. Guy. Luckily, luckily, because we don't spend money on the van, we get to get hotel rooms and shit a lot. So that balances out. That's a, a big distance. My yeah, idea, that's you know, a big plus. I think if we get into a certain, once you get to a certain, I've kind of like know how all these people operate. And once you're at a certain level, you can sure. kind of do like a little bit of both with like the bus and stuff. Right. But you got to right. be at a certain level and you got to have yeah. a certain amount of fans. And, you know, yeah. I, I'm, we'll see if, if bands in the new world can do that. I think maybe they can. I don't know, but it seems hard in the world we're in now. But I think, you know, We'll get there, and we'll, we'll just, we're just going to keep grinding. Like I said, you know, I joke and complain and stuff, but the life, you know, having getting to have a life where my days are, you know, practicing and being creative, getting to work out, getting to train jiu-jitsu and go to sleep and be okay, that's yeah. a really great, comfortable life that I love, and it's so much yeah. better than having to wake up at, like, a lot of my friends in jiu-jitsu have to wake up at 6 a.m. and do construction until 5, and then they come to jiu-jitsu at 6. Right. And that's, that's uh, fucking right. hard. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that, what I is. do isn't fucking hard. What they have to do is hard. And I know, you know, they leave different lives and, and, you know, make different choices. But it's like, at the end of the day, I can't fucking complain at all. So I'm I'm really happy with my life. And, and however, if it gets better, great. If not, that's okay. Too. It's a good <laughs> life and it's comfortable. So it's fine. It'll it'll get better. You guys are, you, you guys have something special. So it's definitely going to get better. You, and you have the right mindset, too. So you, with the, that mindset... The band cohesiveness, 
the genre you guys have created for yourselves. Those you you have all the recipes to just be successful. It's just it's just a matter of putting in those reps, getting the repetition of years and so forth. So you're, you're you're well on your way. And those days will come. I mean, the first time I went to London to teach, believe me, if I did Economy Plus, I would have lost money. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So you have to yeah. you have to get to the point where it makes sense. I mean, if, if you're going to spend two thousand dollars in a ticket and you're not even going to make two thousand dollars after expenses where you're going, then yeah. you, to, you might as well just stay home. You know, it's a zero okay. sum game. So you have to. Yeah, and also early in my career, I wasn't even thinking about that. I wasn't a thing. I wasn't even oh, yeah. thinking about economy plus or, or first class or nice hotels. I wasn't thinking about You're any just of doing that. it. I was just so happy to. I was so happy to be doing something that I was actually very passionate about for the first time in my life. Because before that, I was just a worker guy like everybody else, just doing these different yeah. jobs that I had zero passion for. And finally, I'm doing something where I'm making way less initially, but yeah. I love it. I'm enjoying it. Building your so, own I mean, empire is, exactly. is like the main, the greatest thing in the world, you know? Exactly. It is. It is. And then, you know, I, I, just like your mindset, I mean, listening to you is reminds me of the way I thought when I was, I was your age and I was in my 20s, too, when I first started. And I was thinking, if I never become more successful than this, once I built a livable wage, right, early, I wouldn't want to repeat my first year in business. But once I got to the point where I was making 35000 a year, it's not a lot of money, but it's a livable wage. Yeah, and I'm sitting there thinking, sure. if I never make more than this, I want to make more than this. But if I never do, it's not the end of the world because I'm making a living doing what I want to do. And how many people can Definitely. say that? Dude, no, one hundred percent. And like, even if, even for us, like, there's been many, many years where we weren't quite making a living, and um, you know, we're we're hopefully you know starting to hit that that point. Uh, but even not like to me, I'm, this is what I live for. And I love, not only do I love playing, but I don't really just love playing. I don't really just love performing. I love this band and we all love this band, the band that we're in. We don't want to play in other bands. I don't want to play in Metallica for a million dollars or I wouldn't (laughs) do it. I don't want to play in anyone's thing. I, for any amount of money, I want to do my thing and our thing. And that's where we're all on the same page, and we're willing to struggle for that, and we're willing to keep grinding for that. And like I said, it's not much of a struggle compared to what a lot of people go through, but just in terms of, you know, we're willing to grind and we're willing to put the work in, and I feel that's the most important thing. I would choose this over anything else in the world. So as long as I can, you know, sleep knowing that, then it's the right choice. That's the right mindset, man. You know, you're not giving yourself any back doors. Not once during this almost two-hour conversation if we heard you say, well, if we don't reach this level by this point, you know, I'm going to go do this. That's the no kiss way. of death. And not, not <laughs> once. And we've had a very candid we've had a very candid discussion here, right? So you that would have come up at some point if it were even in your subconscious mind. But it hasn't yeah. come up once over this whole discussion where it goes, oh, you know, if we don't make it by this point, once I hear someone saying that, regardless of the industry, whether it's your industry or my industry or, or any industry, once you start getting yeah. that seeded doubt in your mind and you're already planning on what you're going to do if it doesn't work out, why are you thinking about what you're going to do if it doesn't work out? Don't you want it to work out? <laughs> you know? 100%. The only thing that would kill me, the only thing that would shut this off is if we started making shitty records that we didn't believe in. That, that right. to me, right. could kill right us doing it not fucking success and that's like what i was saying earlier the upward momentum for us is not social or uh popularity the upward momentum for us is artistic and 
you know, our vision and, and feeling like we're doing what we set out to do. And as long as we're doing that, the train will 100% always keep rolling. And if we start making records that we listen to and we go, oh, this is whack, then yeah, maybe we do do something else. <laughs> but that's because the art's not there. And this is a business of art. This isn't, you know, the, it's, right. it's, it's, it's art. We're, we're in a career of creating art. So if the art's not good, right. what the fuck are you doing it for? Or at least if you don't like it. I mean, who cares? Whatever other people think, whatever. But if you don't like it, you know, so. And there's a that's lot of bands who don't like the thing. shit they do. And it's, it's sad. That's very true. And you can see it. You know, I, I've been to oh, shows yeah. where I can see that. You just get this feeling, right? You don't really know what, you can't really describe it, but you're just watching this band and you're not, you're not getting into it because they're not into it, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So you're just standing there yeah. and going, huh. I mean, they're doing everything right, but I'm not into this for some reason. <laughs> Definitely. And that's the Definitely. reason. Agreed. Well, awesome, man. This, this has been a great conversation, man. I appreciate it all the time. And Dude, anything you, you want to plug, man? Anything coming up? Yeah, it's a pleasure, man. Anything coming up? You that know, you not not really. I mean, we're doing a tour in the UK with uh, Trivium and Power Trip. Uh, we're working on something oh, very this cool. summer. And, you know, we're just keeping grinding. Just know every day that we're not on that road, we're still fucking working for the next thing. So anyone who likes us or is a fan of us. Don't think when we're not. I mean, when we're, I almost get this like weird guilt when we're not on the road. But it's like we're we're using <laughs> we're using that fucking time. So we're we're just gonna keep working and nothing to plug. But just you know, everybody keep their fucking eyes peeled because we're always climbing. We're always coming. So there you guys are great. I'm gonna have to do a course in the UK where we're on the same flight, so I can be like, hey man, go <laughs> oh over there and come to now. No. <laughs> Dude, I might I might have to I'll slap the rear naked the rear naked on you. Little little sneak up, put the hook in. <laughs> oh, the, the, the flight attendant. Once, once the flight attendant closes that curtain, you're not getting back there. <laughs> oh, Jesus, you're right. That's awful. <laughs> it's like that episode of I don't know if you ever seen that episode of Seinfeld where he and Elaine are at the. They're at the terminal and they're like, okay, we have one first class ticket available and one coach. And Jerry immediately goes, oh, I'll take the first class. And she goes, why are you taking the first class? He's like, Elaine, I always fly first class. You don't know what you're missing out on. He's like, he's like me, That's I know hilarious. what I'm missing out on. I can't, he's, like, he's, like, I can't, he's like, I won't go back to coach. I, I, I can't do it. I won't do it. You know? And That's exactly the way I felt when I upgraded. That's exactly the way I felt. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get to that. I'm going to make sure I never go back. I'm going to be the same fucking way, brother. Don't worry. Oh, no doubt about it, man. I don't doubt that one bit. Well, get hey, man, pleasure. Very inspirational talk. Love talk. I love here. I love your energy. I love what you guys are doing. So keep up the great work and look forward to connecting again soon. Thank you both so much, man. Much respect to you guys and what you do. So thank you. All good. Take care. You have a great day. Peace out. Thanks a lot, man. Bye. Well, that was a fun one, man. Yeah, that's a fun one. He's a really cool guy. Got a good head on his shoulders. I liked what he was saying. And what's funny is, as he's talking the whole time, I was curious of whether he was going to go in that direction of, oh, you know, if we don't make it by this point, and he never did. <laughs> yeah. exactly. And that was I mean, over a, a two-hour conversation. And he's at that, you know, he's at that, he's at that age where he has even more. We all have, you know, a lot of possibilities. But he's at that age where he has a right. lot of options, a lot of possibilities. So it'd have been very easy for him to say that because. There's so yeah. many things he can do, you know, at that point. Yeah. You know, yeah. This. So, you know, especially since he's been doing, like, look, man, he's been doing it since high school. Like, I get it because, hell, I've been <laughs> broadcasting. I've been broadcasting since high school, and yet here I am still finding a way to keep broadcasting.
you know, so I've been doing right. radio since I was 16. And so it's real easy by the time to veer off, by the time I got to college, especially with those new distractions all around or whatever else. But I was like, nah, you know, I have to stay in this industry, man. I have to be, <clears throat> excuse me, some way attached to this, some way, somehow. So whether it's being in the music right. industry, the entertainment right. industry, but somewhere, somewhere there's a microphone within five, ten feet away from me. I don't care what I'm doing. And that's what it always comes down to. And so it's really easy, like I said, to get distracted and want to do something else because you're either being told that's what you need to be doing. And at that age, it's really easy to be told. And you'd be like, oh, well, they're older than me. They know better. So or you can be also rebellious at that age. You're like, ah, fuck you. You don't know me. You can't tell me what to do. Wait, to my what? So I can look yeah, like yeah. you and I can be like you. And yeah, that, exactly. was, that was the path I took. I'm like, nah, I'm good. I'm Absolutely. good. Trust me. Well, are you going to make money from that? So, oh, I'll find a way. To my, I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about that. Well, see, I was fortunate enough that I knew what the alternative was because I used to do the alternative before I got into this. So I know what the alternative is, being a well, business development manager in some job. I mean, yeah. that's, that's the best alternative where, where I'm going to make at least a good income. But that alternative still sucks. So what, exactly. what's good about you my path feeling. is that – Exactly. What's good about my path is it's not that I tried to do what I did, do now right out of college where I didn't have a reference point. I did right. all these bunch of, I did a bunch of different jobs, like a lot of people do who I knew which direction I wanted to go and I just didn't have the courage to take it yet. So I, I ended up going in all these different pathways, which were not useless, by the way, because I learned a lot of business and marketing skills, which allowed me to accelerate my level here in the fitness business. But I had no passion whatsoever for those jobs. And I remember that feeling to this day. I can remember the way that feeling tastes when you're driving to a job yeah. that you have no passion about the, the energy when you're sitting in your office. I can remember that. Like it's like sitting in the office. Come on, <laughs> sit in the parking lot. As soon as you pull up to the parking lot, you sit in your car. Like you got to <laughs> mentally prep when you got to mentally prep yourself. to like, man, I got to go in here and deal with these motherfuckers. Again. <laughs> God damn it. Like, so, cause trust me, I veered off a couple of times while I was still doing what I wanted to do, but just to make sure I make some extra money, I, I would veer off and do these other things on the side. It's, it's good right, to have right. what most people consider their main thing. It was actually my side thing. So it was really easy to let that <laughs> right. you know, so, right. But, man, I, I had it where I was, like, pulling to the park. I'm like, fuck, how much longer do I have to keep doing this crap? You know, and then it's like, you know what, I'm, I had to pull a shark tank. You know what, for that reason, I'm out. <laughs> you just got to that point because you, you walk through the door and the coworkers are all like, hey, man, what's going on? And he's like, why the fuck are you so happy this early in the morning? What is wrong with you? Why, on, who's, who's that damn jipper? Like, first of all, I'm going to stop you right there. Okay, calm the fuck down with all that. Like, hey, man, did you watch the game last night? Oh, my God. I'm like, no, I didn't. And they're still trying to talk. It's like, these are my body language. It's like, I'm not trying to talk to you. I don't even like, we're not friends. We just work at the same place. We're not even coworkers. Okay, we just work at the same place. I want to get away from you. You are not like the person I want to hang around with because you're happy here. Well, at least you're trying to act like you are, and I'm not. So we're already we're already button heads right here. You want to be here or feel like you have to be here? I feel like I don't have to be here. So I'm probably the wrong. Or they're person. just putting on. I'm a, the wrong they're person. They're just putting on an act. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm the wrong person to act. hang around with because I would influence you to quit this bitch right now. In fact, we we can start anarchy. <laughs> you can hang around me, it'll be anarchy in this office, man. I can I can end up ruining your personal <laughs> life. Your wife will hate you. She'll leave you. Take the kids all because you hang around people like me. Because I'm like, you know what? Well, we you know what's funny people. is uh, the last job I had, all th the the two other friends I had at the job were business development managers like myself, which is just a fancy way to say we're salespeople. But anyway, right. it was at Respond.com. And the, the, the three of us all got fired at one point. I was the last one to go. But all three of us went on to become entrepreneurs and never looked back. That's the funniest thing. All three of us came to the same conclusion, never again. 
go do my own thing. But the thing about that job is it wasn't, it wasn't that bad, which is why I was stuck in a comfort zone, which is the only reason why I lasted even 18 months. I would have quit if it were really that bad. The thing is, is that it was a good salary. The work was easy because once you figured out the system, most of the time you're just pretending to work. Let's just be honest. When you're at a certain level in the company, I mean, there, there are certain levels where you're grinding all the time. Don't get me wrong. I'm not uh, delusional about that, but I wasn't in that position. I was in a position where I was like, okay, here is what we need you to do. And I didn't have anyone checking in on me. I barely ever, I barely saw the person I reported to. I'd see him once a week or something. And sometimes not even that often. I had my own office where I'm barely interacting with other people. So I had a lot of, that's why I started writing articles for publication. That's what I started doing one legged squats every hour. I'm banging out handstand pushups throughout the day. You know, I, was, I was like, I gotta do something to keep uh, to make this day productive. So, I mean, it was, a, it was a comfortable position, it, but the, the thing is, is that, it wasn't satisfying at all. I had no passion whatsoever for it. I didn't think about it when the day was over. I didn't think about how to improve things for them because I just didn't give a fuck. You know, you're doing what you need to do to keep your job and that's it. But right. that it was soul sucking though. It just sucked the life right out of you. I just remember being tired all the time. It's like, why am I tired all the time? <laughs> right. It was just, it was just that kind of feeling, man. So, I mean, and I've, uh, I've, I've, believe like, me, I've had a lot of shitty jobs throughout my life. Yeah, even though it seems like that job was very easy, it really wasn't because it took a lot of energy and effort just to show up there and exist for eight to nine hours a day. That's, and that's then, very true. And, and not yeah. knowing the proper way to decompress afterwards because, you know, you're just like, oh, that's how, that's why you felt tiresome. It's because, again, mentally, it took a lot out of you because. Well, my personal, my personal life sucked at that moment too. I was married to a real is, bitch yeah, at the exactly. time. So my personal, so, my personal life sucked and my professional life sucked. So, I mean, you're burning you that candle on both ends. <laughs> yeah, you went one suck in the, in fact, the best day, the best time of your day was actually sitting in traffic. Because <laughs> that was the time away from your relationship and your job. So it's like, you know what? I actually, well, I tell you what, man, I, I prefer being at work than being at home because of the, the personal life stress. That's up in the work sucks. So don't get me wrong. But when I got into this business, it seemed like everything that didn't belong just fell away. You know, once I got oh, out yeah. of that crappy job and pursued what I wanted to do, relationship ultimately imploded. <laughs> Out into the that's gone into the ether, never to be bothered with again. It seemed like I went through a cleansing process when I finally had the courage to pursue what I should have been doing all along. It was very cleansing on multiple levels. Levels. Personal life got way better. Professional life got way better. I started attracting better friends, better people into oh, my yeah. life. I started meeting way more interesting people, people that I would never meet if I stayed in the previous industry. And hell, let's be honest, man. If it wasn't for all the things that happen in the fitness business, we wouldn't have met. We wouldn't be doing the show exactly. together. We wouldn't be having interesting people like, you know, why, why would someone like Jamie of Code Orange and myself have a conversation in any other context, right? It's, it's, but also it's the fact that one thing, I, one thing I liked about you and why I wanted to do the show with you, like when I was thinking about doing a podcast, you were the only person I was thinking about doing it with. I wasn't like, well, if Sincere doesn't want to do it, then I'll talk to so-and-so. Because you have a very similar mentality of pursuing things you're interested in. You were a DJ, but you didn't stay stuck there. You could have just coasted there, but you, you weren't happy there anymore. You got into the fitness industry. You did what you wanted to do there. Now you're into firearms and self-defense, self-protection. Right. And I consider myself very similar. I got into the fitness industry doing kettlebells only. Then I started expanding into other things such as hormone optimization. I wrote my Live Life Aggressively book, nutrition supplements, you know, you name it. The bottom line is I just keep going in whatever direction interests me. Now I'm writing the Mahlerisms book, which has yep. you know nothing to do with any of the other things on a superficial level. And on a deeper level, there's a common thread 
among everything exactly. I do. But where I'm going is that, and even the podcast, where we could do, we can make this podcast. Look, if we if we just wanted to chase ratings, we know exactly what to do. We just exactly. get different fitness experts on every fucking time. We'll be bored out of our mind. Both of us will be texting each other while they're talking. <laughs> you know, you'll be fucking using the, you'll be like taking a piss or something while they're talking. You'll be like making breakfast or you know, like, hold on a second, Mike, I'm going to go make lunch now. It's like, hey, Mike, you got this? I'm going to go walk the dogs real quick. You know, that's what it would be like, man. We, we would have quit doing the show a long time ago. But when we have someone like uh, Jamie come on the show, that's very invigorating because it's different. It's interesting. And it keeps the show fun, man. We can't just have the same. I don't want to talk about training every fucking time. How much can we talk about training? Yeah, I like talking about training, but I don't want to do it every single time. And frankly, those of you listening, how much training information do you need look, to man, get into great look, shape? We, we've done fact, more than enough for you guys like, on that front. Look, I would much rather be training than talk about training. Okay? <laughs> so I would much rather be making money instead of talking about making money. Okay? I would much rather travel and do it than talk about it. Because talking about it, actually talking about something too much pisses me off and I stop talking because I'm like, why the fuck am I talking about this? I just need to just do it because I'm like, there's no point in doing it. It's also the equivalent like when you were younger and you have your friends, you know, you're in the mall, you know, of course, when you're like a teenager, you see a fly girl walk by and her little group of friends and then you always have that one one friend. Hell, you may have been that one friend. Every time the girl's like, damn, look at her. Whoo, man, blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, what is that going to do for you? Like, go talk to her. Nah, I ain't trying to do all that. But man, look at her. I'm like, no, go talk to her. Why do you want to look at her? <laughs> you know, somebody, if you're that excited, go <laughs> talk to her. Because you're not going to get anything done sitting over here talking to us. <laughs> you know, talking about how fine that girl was. Like, man, I should have talked to her. Yeah, you should have. Now, stop talking about it. She's gone now. There's nothing you can do about it now. So to me, just talking about it is just not enough, man. It's just like if you really, if that's what you no, really no, want, no. if that's something that really matters to you, just do the damn thing, man. Just do it. And yeah, yeah. It's, it's probably, it's going to be ugly in the beginning. It's, pro- it's not going to be perfect. And guess what? Even when it gets great, it's still not going to be perfect. There's no such thing. So don't chase right. perfection, right. man. Right. You know, chase that satisfaction knowing like, fuck, yeah, I did this. I did this. I did. I made up my mind and I actually pursued this. I didn't just talk about it. That's the thing. That's the thing you should like really get excited about. That's that's what's perfect right there. The perfect situation is satisfaction knowing like this is what I wanted and I went after it. Now, you know, whether it was successful or not, hey, it depends who you're looking at, who's looking at it. For me, I'm like, hey, man, at least I did it better than sitting there, sitting there thinking about it, talking about it, writing it down, writing down my five year plan. And, you know, six years later, oh, there is that five year plan. You know, this is year six, right? It's like, so what now? <laughs> so, well, I need to extend it. This is the bonus version right here. It's like, no, man, you got to just do it if it really matters that much to you. And that's the one thing I like, you know, talking to Jamie, man. It's like, it's invigorating to have someone like that on the show because, again, we can see ourselves in him at that time period. Oh, yeah. You know, because, 100%. you know, so it's good to have that kind of energy around because, let's face it, man, there's so many people, you know, around our age group, they've pretty much have. Okay, they've given up. When I say given up, they've accepted where life is right now. They a lot of them don't have excitement right. anymore. They're coasting now. They're coasting. Right. Their mindset is to coast for the next forty-five years, man, if they're lucky, you know, right. and make it to like eighty-five, ninety, and just, just they're just trying to they're just living life whatever gives them every day, and they're just hoping like, hey, I'm just trying to stay alive. I'm just trying to survive. Really, that's it. And a lot of times, I'm like, well, that's kind of a contradiction <laughs> because that's not survival, dude. Have you ever watched anybody trying to survive for real when, you know, all things are after them and trying to kill them or whatever else? They're not sitting around waiting, dude, to survive. No, they're actually taking action. They're getting the 
fuck out of the way. If they see a bear coming up there, they're not just like, nope, I'm just sitting there trying to survive. Well, guess what? That bear is too, and that's why he's running at you to eat you up. <laughs> okay, so I think you're, you're yeah, there really, there really is right no point. surviving. Yeah, there really is no surviving. You're either thriving or you're, you're not. You're all gonna die. You're, you're all surviving. gonna die. Surviving, when you're just trying to keep your head above water, you're declining. I mean, we all go through periods in life where that's what you're doing, but you have a goal of getting onto the yacht, right? You're not just trying to keep your head above water indefinitely. So, I mean, we all, we all go through periods like that. But, yeah, I like talking to someone like Jamie, too, because it, re- it reminds me of early in my career. But also, I like to I like to hear people that are grinding it out. I like to hear yeah, what I they like have to say. I like to see the one, because it, like to see the one in that I like to see someone in that generation oh, yeah. giving a big yeah, fuck yeah. you to everyone else that says these millennials are lazy and they're not worth it. And even right. even some, even coming from the entertainment industry to see someone like that because again people say oh you know musicians are lazy they just want to just have sex get drunk blah 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 and they don't want to do any work they want the labels to do it all for them and they just no it, it's good to see that like no these dudes are grinding you know they're young they've been doing it since high school which you tell my you, you want to sit there and crap on you know twenty year olds you crap even more on teenagers so these guys have done it since their teens, and they're still grinding. You still hear oh, that yeah. energy in their voice, and you still hear that sense of urgency like, nah, man, we got to keep going. We got to keep going. You hear that in his voice. So that right there is very, put like this, it's good for someone like Jamie, someone like my son, you know, who's a photographer and he's out of doing his thing. Who like, forget college. I got to do what I'm passionate about, and he's being very successful at it. I get happy when I see things like this because there are other yeah. kids other young adults around their age that need to see that because they're going to pay more attention to Jamie and like someone like my son and pay more attention to them than they are to you and me. Cause they're going to look at us like, well, you guys, of course you guys are successful. Look at you now, you know, blah, 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 blah. I'm nowhere near it. I can't do what you've done. Yes, you can. In fact, you can do a lot more than what we've done because now you've got even more resources than we ever had. (laughs) You know, it's like, you have no excuse now, man. Like, we didn't have, guess what? We didn't have an excuse either, but you really don't have an excuse. Anything you need, boom, get on the phone and find it. And there are your resources right there. You well, don't when, you, when there. you don't see the process, it's easy to fixate on the result, and that's a big mistake. So when you look yeah. at someone's result, which is where they're at now, you're not taking the process into account. They didn't just get there by accident. Everyone has to go through a certain process, and Jamie's right, right in the thick of it, going through that process. He's gone through the hardest part of the process already, which is what yep. they did when they first started playing in people's houses and basements and so forth. But he's still, but it's a, now he's in the second level of going through the process. He's very close to the next level where it's going to be really fun. Now you're making great money and you're in your better, better travel accommodations and so forth. And he's just honestly, on the precipice. I, I can honestly, see I it th- happening very soon. Honestly, I think they're, they're getting, right now they're actually going through the hardest process and that's just to stay hungry. And, 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 and pretty much keep yeah, moving forward. Yeah, so I feel like, you know, this, they're just getting started. And so, so the real, the toughest crap is going to be really coming at them right around about this time. Because, and right now they've already shown that they can make it because, look, man, it's really easy to get full of yourself when you have someone like, you know, you know, five finger death punch and you got someone like, you know, you know, Corey Taylor and all these people giving you props and they're actually like retweeting you and things like this. It's really easy because like we were talking about, just with, you know, I think we were talking about this privately, just like these kids, you know, through you know, the whole Florida sh- mass shooting thing. You know, it's really hard to main- oh, sure. maintain your focus, you know, when you've got TV cameras in front of you all the time. And when you now all of a sudden, when before you were the outcast, now you're the popular person and you're getting this national, this big platform. You know, it's really kind of hard to stay focused, especially when people are kind of pulling at you that way. It's easy at that age to get caught up in it and kind of lose focus on what, you know, what your goals were in the first place. And, and like I said, and it's really easy for these guys to do the same thing. You know, it's, you got all these people they've looked up to now is actually 
actually, you know, I can't even say coming down to their level. You know, just real. what's happening is they're realizing like, oh, these dudes were never really above me. They just happen to be doing the grind a little longer than me. So, you know, I'm, I am, right. they're treating me like an equal. So, and that's a good thing. So they can realize, yeah, in the words of Tupac, these people piss and bleed just like you do. You know, the only thing is, you know, you know, what are you consuming to, you know, be pissing? You know, what are you pissing out in the first place? That's <laughs> what you got to look at, man. So that's the thing. And I, like I said, it's really easy for them to get caught up in there, but they, it doesn't seem like they're caught up in all that madness. You know, it's like they appreciate it, but they well, feel right anyway. Part of the reason is, is that the, the humble realities are there. They're in a fucking van every day. <laughs> so you can right. get all the cosigns you want. All the cosigns you want don't increase your bank account. Nope. It's not like I. It's not like my income went up when Charles wrote that letter about me. It's not like I noticed this big extension in income. I'm like, wow, my income doubled since since Charles wrote that cosign on me. You no, know, it's, it's it's it just doesn't work that way. I mean, that that kind of stuff is more encouraging to you. It's like, wow, I'm being recognized by my peers. Well, your peers are not increasing your bank account. That's all on you. And he knows that all too well. I mean, he still books all their gigs. He booked all their gigs initially. He still does it. And that's the sign of someone who really wants to be successful, someone that's taking charge of the business, not someone who's saying, well, I'm a musician, so I'm going to delegate that out to someone else. It's like, no, take charge of it yourself so you can keep that income that you would have delegated out to someone else. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. That was, that was a lot better than, uh, you know, like what you were talking about, how you want to train. You don't want to talk about training. Well, you know, when it comes to banging, I want to do it. I don't want to talk to Delgado about how to use a fucking vibrator. <laughs> <laughs> or or, or or buying a water pick for clits, you know, just like. <laughs> I was like he's like, oh, you know, like, when women man, get in the hot tub, they always he's like, women always position themselves this way in the hot tub. I was like, what fucking women are you talking about, man? You know how many hot tubs I've been in? I've never seen a look woman here. in my life position herself. <laughs> look, dude, when I'm thinking about trying to get a woman wet, I had a, I had a different idea than what you had, man. Okay. <laughs> It was like that episode. I mean, of course, this this episode is coming. We, we recorded by the time these episodes come out, it would have been long after we recorded them. But in the yeah. chronological of events, that episode came out before this one. So come on, man, yeah. we got to talk about some of the shit that happened in that last episode. <laughs> Jesus, man. <laughs> like, how the fuck did we get to this point, man? We're talking about how to yeah, deal with estrogen dominance. Now, now we're talking. Now we're talking about how to use a water pick. I'm texting Not on your while, teeth. while they were talking about that text my side. How the fuck did we get here? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh man. So hey, look here folks. You know, do us a favor and and head over to both our websites. Use that coupon code LLA, get ten percent off all our products. Head over to MikeMuller.com, NewWarriorTrain.com. Also, head over to Patreon, become a Patreon member. And right now, as I was, as we were recording this show, you know, I was, like I said, I was putting up some videos from this new thing called Lens that is part of Patreon and made it available for our Patreon subscribers. But also, I did, like, I did one Periscope on Twitter, you know, of while we were talking to Jamie live during the show. Um, so, yeah, because I actually want to help, you know, help those guys, you know, get the word out about them as well. So I did do one Periscope live while we were doing this. That's one of the benefits now of this new version of Skype where I actually, I can actually hear you guys through my laptop instead of just my headphones. So now people can just hear all of us talk at the same time. So I gave them a little clip of oh, that, cool. but, but the clip that's on Periscope, that was the before we even started recording type clips. And I'll probably oh, do more cool. of those, you know, and so therefore it's a little behind the scenes that's going on before the, the pre-show because those are happening at that moment and they're available for 24 hours, which means those clips, you, anybody that's listening now, you can't go back and watch those. You can't go back and hear that conversation. Right, right. It's 24 hours, man. It's just like Snapchat, you know, and also like on um, Instagram stories. 
24 hours and then it's gone into the ether. So that's what I really like about that little option that they've added now to Patreon. I'm going to start doing a lot more of those, man. And again, if you're a Patreon member, you're going to get access to that. You'll get a, you'll get a notification as soon as it finishes right then and there. So, you know, boom, they hit you up. Hey, this is available. You go watch it. Let's do it. It could be all types of things, man. It could be stuff that's on health and fitness, whatever else. It could be just conversations Mike and I are having. It could be some. We could be talking about you. You could be a you could be a Patreon subscriber. <laughs> we could be discussing you. It could be a Q and A or something like that we're talking <laughs> about before we even record it. Yeah. Or if you're a dipshit that listens to the free episode and we know you by name and you've done some dipshittery, we'll talk about you and then hey, we'll make it available to the Patreon subscribers. How about that? So, <laughs> so there's a lot of possibilities with this, man, with this technology. That's the thing about it, man. It's all about, that's the thing about technology, man. You know, how are you going to use it? What are you going to use it for? So go to patreon.com slash LLA podcast, become a Patreon subscriber and, you know, get access to stuff like this as well as the, the mini episodes that we're pop- popping out, the little audio episodes that we're doing and also the Q and A episodes. There'll be Q and A episodes that we'll be doing just right off the, right off the bat. You know, especially, you know, you guys send us a question, we'll address it, and it'll be available just for Patreon subscribers in our little mini audio episode. So lots of great things. Other than that, rate us, review us, and I'm done. No more. No mas. I have nothing else to say. You got you got to take action. I'm, I'm yeah, finished talking. It's time you do action now. Take the action. <laughs> we're all talked down. It's like, why are, you even, why, are you, why are you even still listening at this point? I mean, Jamie left like an hour ago. You know? <laughs> it's like, man, those guys can talk. It's like, yeah, you didn't have to keep listening, though. <laughs> like, yeah, listen, too. <laughs> oh, On that note. All right, everyone. Yeah. Thanks a lot. We'll wrap it up. Take care, everyone. Take care, folks.